0: interesting debate show is
1: live yes. in the huddle yes sir ladies and gentlemen boys and girls from around the world welcome back to another episode of in the huddle ep 236 on can you sports we are back And we are better. I mean, man, how else can we be in a time where there's a lot of things happening in the sports world? And normally we get to this time of year and there's not a lot of things jumping. You know, it it felt like that for a lot of years that after football season is over, it's like, all right, the media tends to die down. But this year hasn't been the case. You know, with a wild NFL offseason, with a very enthusiastic playing game of the NBA with the playoffs knocking. You know, it's a good time to be in sports radio, and man, there's a lot of talk about. I have my co-host back in the building. Zach is in the building right now with me. Zach, how are you doing? How are you feeling? What's going on?
0: Well, man, what's going on? I'm so happy to be back here in the huddle. Can you dig sports radio? And for me, I totally understand what you're saying about usually the NFL season comes to an end, and sometimes there's not a lot to talk about. But I think there's just a whole, there are many things that go into where we are now between. Really, the offseason as a whole, in general, that we've seen so far, and the NBA playoffs, it's back on schedule for the first time since 2019. Uh, you know, We weren't even doing this show, really, back then on, on a consistent basis. So, it's cool for me to just have the sports calendar back to normal. March Madness just ended. There are big-time NBA draft decisions going around left and right, which prospect is going to go. The transfer portal is going crazy in college basketball, but we have a lot to talk about today, my guy, and I'm happy just to be back, and really, this is the time of the NFL offseason. I know we have the draft coming up in a few weeks, but we have a lot to catch up on here on In the Huddle. I know I, 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 I haven't been on as often as I, as I would want, but man, I know we have a
1: lot to talk about. There have been so many moves to happen this offseason, and I'm just so excited to be here. Let's get to it. I mean, you talk about the NFL offseason. You talk about March Madness that lived up to that hype. Especially once the NFL tinted down a little bit and allowed March Madness to get their proper love And then the National Championship Game, the chokes of all chokes I mean, we never seen that on that stage Before. Um, shout out to um, You know, North Carolina for Blowing that lead and shout out to the winner Kansas for taking that um, National Championship. You had that You also have the NBA, the playing Games already kicked off. The Brooklyn Nets Will be going to the playoffs as well As the Timberwolves. I never thought I be saying that <laughs> for the foreseeable future, but it happened and there's a lot of things to go on. We still got more playing games. We still got uh the playoffs kicking off and we also got the NFL draft around the corner baseball is here, the season is underway, boxing, there's a lot of fights going on. There's so much things going on in the sports world, and I think it's about that time that we lay out our agenda for today. We are talking Derek Carr getting paid. We are talking about what that means for Lamar Jackson getting paid. Do we like how Lamar Jackson is handling his contract situation? We got to talk about that. We got playoff predictions that's going down. We are going to predict round one of the playoffs and ultimately our finals matchup And who we got winning that matchup We are gonna talk about that We also got our top 5 NBA players Under the most arrest in the playoffs We got a loaded show YBC was conversations here On End The Huddle And we might as well kick it off With our first topic right here Raiders Derek Carr agreed to a 3 year 121.5 million dollar extension Okay let me hold a dollar please Is Derek Carr deserving of this money? Zach, I love that question right up to you. Yeah, well, when
0: I saw this news, I'm not going to lie, I was just really happy for Derek Carr because this is just a player that has been through so much over the course of his career in Oakland and in Vegas. And I'll give you guys a stat that really blew my mind to start this off. Derek Carr is currently the longest tenured quarterback in the AFC. He was drafted in 2014. That's not that long ago in the same draft as Johnny Manziel, and uh, Jadevian Clowney in that draft. And he has stayed with the Raiders throughout his career. And I understand he's not perfect, right? I don't think anyone is going to sit here and, and say Derek Carr isn't a weak quarterback. But based on the quarterback market and how it is today, this is a guy that really brought the Raiders to the playoffs when they had no business making it last year, and I understand he has a long way to go in terms of winning in the playoffs. Obviously, the AFC is loaded, but one thing I know about Derek Carr is that he's just a true professional that is always going to bring his A-game and come ready to play, and I do think that with the Raiders and their new situation, like they brought in a lot of talent. We don't really know what the future holds just yet, but I do think the talent that this Raider team has now is better than really at any point so far in Derek Carr's Raiders career. I mean, Derek Carr, people forget this his rookie year. He started the first like nine or 10 games and lost all of them. The Raiders were a disgrace in 2015, 2016, and then he has the big MVP year. Uh, unfortunately, he gets injured, and he's kind of been hovering to get back to that elite mark since then. But I do think Derek Carr is one of the 10 or 12 best quarterbacks in the NFL, and when you're in that position, you're, you're, you're worth that money based on today's quarterback market. So, props to the Raiders. Props to Derek Carr. I know we had a, a brief conversation uh, a couple weeks ago that when you looked at the state of the AFC West, you know, should the Raiders trade Derek Carr? And then they got Devontae Adams,
1: which signaled, okay, they're all in. So, I like the move for the Raiders. You? I think it's an appropriate price. I mean, you know, for me to answer this question, I don't really think my opinion matters. You know, is Derek Carr... Deserving of this contract or not I don't think that matters I think what matters is the quarterback market That's basically what it comes down to You know, when you have a good quarterback And I would put Derek Carr in that category As being a good quarterback Elite, not there yet Good, yes, you can give him that label And I think how you classify good is like, you know, 10 through 14 You know, after you get to the 8 and the 9s and the 10s Then you're good, you know, in the mixture of elite And then you get your 10s through 15 And I think if I had to just throw Derek Carr without literally going through the list of 10 quarterbacks ahead of Derek Carr I will put him in that 11 through 14 range right in that little echelon right there which classify him as good but the quarterback market allows good to get played like elite that's how it's set up so if you have a 11 through 14 quarterback in today's NFL they're going to get paid like a top seven quarterback and that's exactly when you look at the logistics and the statistics of this deal that really is the case here with Derek Carr when you talk about a 40.5 average per year ranking which is fifth among all quarterbacks in annual salary you're also talking about 24.9 million dollars fully guaranteed and you know he's a solid quarterback bro he's clutch that's one thing I can say about him You know, you can always count on him in the fourth quarter to lead his drive and to lead his team. When I looked at this season last year, this um, debacle and circus of a season it was for the Raiders, right? When you talk about the coach getting fired, when you talk about right now, Henry Ruggs writing letters from the jail cell. I mean, there's a lot of things going on right now with this Raiders team, and Derek Hall has been the consistent group out of the bunch when you talk about 4804 yards along with no number one wide receiver in the the team on the team should I say you know especially with Henry Ruggs when he got into that incident so you think about everything you think about the ups and downs right and not a lot of ups I mean when you talk about ups and downs not a lot of ups a lot of downs Derek Carr has remained consistent With his numbers, he has remained loyal to this franchise, and I'm not mad that he got the bag ultimately at the end of the day because it's not my choice to make, it's the quarterback market. And as I previously stated, when we talk about Deshaun Watson and him, you know, having these 22 allegations and just being an overall leader, is the new leverage now when talking about contract extensions, even though we always looked at character as a metric for you know paying somebody paying your quarterback top dollar but now more so you see that as leverage as I hinted at it and who is the ultimate leader other than Derek Carr a guy who is a team first guy a guy that loves this franchise he used that leadership as leverage along with his play and that's why he's paid today Yeah, and I really do
0: think that last year, just as a whole, like, just from a total perspective, I was so impressed by the way Carr just responded to adversity. If you remember, the first game of the Raiders season was that crazy Monday night game against the Ravens where he throws that, like, ticked ball in the end zone. I, I believe there were a couple bad calls in that game, and somehow the Raiders find a way to win. And the roller coaster of the season they experienced, I mean, well, they had no business beating the Chargers in that Week 18 game and making the playoffs. Like, its it was very impressive. And I understand that you know, we have our thoughts about Coach Rich Bisacci and how he should probably still be uh, the leader right now. But. The bottom line is, Mark Davis, you know, he moved the Raiders to Vegas for a reason. To get them that big name, to get them all of the money, uh, to get them spending, like, a, a big market team and to really be a premier destination where players want to go to. And not going to lie, like, I'm just looking at the foundation of this squad, right? We don't know what Josh McDaniels is going to be as a head coach the second go-around, hopefully. Uh, at worst, he's going to be better than the first time in Denver, but the Raiders building their team around guys like Derek Carr and Devontae Adams, and they paid Max Crosby, and they bring in um, Chandler Jones. Like These are good players that when I look at, okay, how am I evaluating a team and, and their potential? Like If you have good blue-chip five-star players, like that's how you're going to win games. And I look at those four players for the Raiders, and that's a pretty good start. And one other thing, like Gruden was a problem, we get it, But also Mike Mayock, he got fired because no matter whose fault it was, the Raiders were just not good at drafting in the first round. They were able to find talent late in the draft, but drafting a guy like Cleveland Furl in the top five was a pick that was never going to work out. The kid they drafted this past year, Weatherwood from Alabama, he was uh, not good and they could have gotten him 10 to 15 picks later. So I do think like we don't know what Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler are going to be yet. But Gruden and Mayock were far from perfect, and Carr was able to right the ship and get this team to the playoffs one year. So I think the situation is much better for him, which is a good sign for Raiders
1: fans. And you talk about the addition of Devontae Adams. You're talking about the best wide receiver in the NFL right here. And this guy is already putting up 4,000 yards with no number one wide receiver. I honestly feel that Derek Carr can eclipse that. I think he could touch 5,000 yards with the addition of Devonte adams because of just the the openness of the football field with Devonte adams being there everybody's looking at it like oh that connection this and that yes that connection all right it's like riding a bicycle it's going to be there but at the same time just Devontae Adams' presence alone and what that does for the other guys. Forget about Devontae Adams for a second. But the other guys, because of all the gravity that he pulls and just to open up the football field in the slot for a guy like Hunter Renfro. And you also got Darren Waller, who a lot of people is used to double-teaming him. Well, guess what? You can't do that no more because you're going to leave my man's over here one-on-one, which is the best wide receiver in the league, and Devontae Adams. So I think when you factor all that, you factor the talent, you know you got your guy over there in Devontae Adams. You paid the dude. They did. And, you know, was it a little bit pricey? Yes. But, like I said, the quarterback market allowed it to be that way. And another thing that I'll say right here about Mr. Um, Josh McDaniels, I'm interested to see how he coaches this year. You know, I know he's capable with the X's and O's. I'm not a, you know, I'm not a, a warrior about that when it comes to his game. I already know he knows the game of football, but it's about the leadership. Can he present that to a team that you look at their track record, you need a leader in that building, in that city. So, um, you know, but he's spending, you know, look at Bill Belichick, a guy, the Patriot way, they cut guys, they don't want to pay dudes, they don't want to pay nobody. And yet he leaves that organization and he goes and he's spending big money, paying top dollar for a wide receiver. Overpaying, some would argue for Derek Carr, but some people like to pay for Derek Carr. Either way, he's spending money, and I think you hinted at it. When you are in a big market franchise, that's exactly what they expect you to do. That's why the Rams do what they do. They, they pay big money. They go after the marquee free agents because they in... LA so far you know they have they build to build a bad stadium yeah the Raiders too Badass ass stadium I mean come on I still want to touch that stadium one of these days I mean <laughs> you look at that and you look at the fact that they operate like a big marquee franchise that they are like an expensive franchise and that's what the Raiders are and they are operating like that but it's not only these Raiders and the 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 Rams with the other teams In the NFL You know As well as trying to Piece it up together The Browns Even though they're A low market franchise They are still trying to Operate like a big franchise With the acquisitions Of Amari Cooper And um, Deshaun Watson I don't even think They've done yet Added to that roster Stay tuned for that So I think if you're Josh McDaniels You prove to everybody That you don't have to follow In your master's footsteps You know You can learn and grow And do your own thing And let's see what His own thing is On the football field
0: yeah, and the GM, Dave Ziegler, too. He's obviously a Patriot guy as well, so it's interesting. I give them credit just from the aspect. It could have been easy for them to just say, okay, we're in the a- the AFC West. It's a tough division, but they remembered like then, we're the Raiders, and the reason why the Rams work is because they're good. We remember the first couple of years in L.A. under Jeff Fisher when the Rams felt like the most irrelevant thing in that city, and they were drawing 50% crowds. Hiring Sean McVay was the best thing they ever did. But also when you look at the Raiders, like, I think people forget, like, yeah, they have a ton of history and they're the Raiders. They have a very loyal fan base, a big fan base that has literally moved cities with them. But for the past 20 years, like, they still haven't won a playoff game. They The last time they won a playoff game was 2002. You know, that's a long time ago. And a lot of the reason for their struggles has just been poor management. And, Mark Davis is still a wild card, in my opinion. Like, he could do some crazy stuff at any time, especially in that city. But I will say, like, things probably, hopefully, hit rock bottom this past season with all of the downs they they went through. And still, they found a way in the playoffs. I can't emphasize how impressive that was because the way Gruden and Mike Mayock built the team, like, it was okay. They, they had some good pieces. And Hunter Renfro and Max Crosby, those guys were great draft finds. But... They had some obvious holes on that team. And I think in only one offseason, McDaniels and Dave Ziegler have done a good job just trying to fill as many of those holes as possible. And uh, obviously, rocking up the quarterback is a good good
1: step to that as well. Yeah, and I think um, we'll see what happens with this, with this Raiders team going forward. And if that spending that they are doing, is that going to pay off? We'll have yet to see. But staying on this quarterback market and staying on the quarterbacks here real quickly here, Is our subtopic So John Harbaugh You know He spoke on The contract extension For Lamar Jackson And he said And I quote It's going to get done Should we like How Lamar Jackson Is handling His contract situation Because Lamar Jackson Right now Is not even worried About this contract extension The way how he's letting on Like listen I'm here to gamble On myself And roll the dice On myself And just Go ahead and win this season And prove that I'm worth that money And we already know how to quarterback market shapes You know, he wait another year He'll probably get more money on top of that But honestly, Zach Thinking about it Just weighing everything I don't think he's handling it good You know, I'm gonna say it for this reason Number one Tomorrow's never promised to no man You know, and that's just a philosophical way Of me going about this It's just not promised to no man Especially when you want to bring it back to football In the game of football In longevity circumstances Especially with injuries and things of that nature Lamar Jackson this year was an injury riddled year He was not there from mid-season on throughout And he wasn't able to go So that's a ruper right there that's, that's one of the smoke signals right there When it comes to just health and your wealth Being able to be healthy And I think when you consider that and you consider the dangerous sport and you consider the fact how they use Lamar Jackson he is the entire offense he is the truck he's not the trailer he's not guys are not pulling him up you are pulling everybody else up you know you cannot coach a broken play i get it and Lamar Jackson is very good and elusive outside the pocket but at the same time you are susceptible to hits and you could literally have an ending of a career just like that you know not throwing that energy out there so i think if you're Lamar Jackson What you should want to do is get paid. You're not being a terrible teammate by saying, I want my money and focusing on football. I think there's a misconception where athletes are more concerned about the money and like, oh, he don't care about his team because he's more concerned about the money. These owners out here have millions of dollars, billions of dollars these owners have. Okay, there's nothing wrong with trying to take care of yourself and your family, which is your number one responsibility is your family at the end of the day and still being an overall good team player. You know, I think when we talked about Kyler Murray and that fiasco and him being a bad teammate, you know, that's one conversation. But him wanting money is a different conversation to me because at the end of the day, he's trying to take care of himself, especially when we know his physical attributes or lack of, you know. So I think Lamar Jackson, you need to secure that bag because you're rolling the dice. I get it on your plate. All right. I love Lamar Jackson. I think he has the right mentality as far as trying to get better and better every single day. But at the end of the day, you're also rolling your dice on the football guys because at the end of the day, things happen, okay? So I think you need to secure that back, get your money, get paid, and play football. Yeah, I think it's interesting
0: because i i just don't know if he's even concerned about the contract right now like that's kind of the vibe i'm getting off of it i feel like he just wants to avoid it at all costs which is usually the opposite of what we see with with these star players so it's an interesting situation really the one like as soon as the one thing when it happened where it struck me like okay this is gonna be pretty weird like as soon as he hired his mom as his agent it's like okay like what, what exactly is going on here and we've kind of seen it i think when it comes to lamar It's been very impressive what he's been able to do since he's gotten into the league. And I think the Ravens have literally just been the perfect fit. I think it's been the perfect marriage between them being literally the only team. Like, any team could have had him. He was drafted number 32 overall, and they took him into their franchise, and they committed to him right away. They said, we believe in you. We're going to build our offense around you. And overall, even though the injuries really struck the Ravens last year and they missed the playoffs, uh, I think the Lamar Jackson era in Baltimore, has been an overwhelming success. And the Ravens have literally done everything they can. I know their owner came out, obviously not too happy about the Deshaun Watson contract. And I understand, like, from an injury perspective, Lamar, he's a little more injury prone than some other quarterbacks just based on the way he plays and the style he plays. And I do think long-term, like, that that could have an effect when, like, Lamar Jackson, his peak, his prime could only be, like, maybe four, five, six years compared to other guys where it's, like, eight, nine, ten. But I do think... Lamar Jackson has shown us enough on the football field that he is willing and worthy of a of a big time contract. And maybe he you know he just wants to play out his rookie deal. Maybe he just wants to win the Super Bowl and he's telling his team to just spend around me. I, you guys don't need to pay me. I think he's a selfless player like that. It's just—it's a, a weird situation, and I'm really trying to figure out why he's just trying to avoid it at all costs. But I think at the end of the day, like once the season starts, and really as we get into the heart of the offseason and in the draft as we are right now, like if you're the Ravens, you just got to focus on getting your team back to the playoffs and making your team better. And if your quarterback doesn't want the money just yet, take advantage of that uh,
1: on his rookie deal still. I don't know, though, because one could argue you take advantage of that, it's not like he's going to get any cheaper. You know, especially the more quarterbacks get paid. Now, let's say Kyler Murray get paid, and he offsets the market. Then you got to pay him higher than Kyler Murray, you know, even though they they basically accomplished the same thing other than actually Lamar Jackson accomplished an MVP and playoff win, so they didn't really accomplish the same thing. But it's not like they any accomplished a championship. But Lamar Jackson is a little bit ahead of um, Kyler Murray as far as achievements. So you're going to have to pay – lamar jackson even more money so if you're the the ravens you should be trying to make this deal happen now unless you are not sold on lamar jackson and you want to use this year as a metric to see if you can win with him i don't think you're having that conversation right now i'm just saying hypothetically if they are but if you're not then you should pay him right now today as he is cheaper even though cheaper is expensive because he's going to be more expensive down the line especially when all the quarterbacks get paid and those younger quarterbacks start getting paid you want to take care of Lamar Jackson, get that out the way. I know he's pushing it out the way himself voluntarily, but you want to just give him that deal if you believe in this guy and play football and let's focus on this season because guess what? They have a daunting task. I remind you, this division is not going to be easy. And I think if you're Lamar Jackson, you need to realize that either. Okay, you got the Bengals in this division that is a defending Super Bowl champs. They are going to be back and better on paper than they were last year. Like I said before, I know a lot of people are not high on Deshaun Watson right now because of the 22 allegations. But I remember what I remember. And that guy is good at football. I think they're going to be a very legitimate contender in the AFC along there. So those are two guys that are in your division right now, okay, that you got to worry about. And I think if you're Lamar Jackson, I mean, listen, I don't know if I would gamble on myself this year, not saying that you shouldn't have faith in yourself. But, bro, you may not make the playoffs this year. You may You may not You may win the division You may not You may come in last You may come in second You may come in third We don't know I think he needs to Secure that bag And stop playing bro Get your money Yeah I, I agree
0: Everything I know Would tell me that Yeah he should pay the, Take the money right now But he's not And, and it's, it's a very Interesting situation And Lamar has been An interesting cat Ever since he's been drafted into the league just his attitude and his mindset you know people calling him a running back people not sure that he's able to play the quarterback position and i totally understand he still has a lot more to accomplish but i just think he means so much to this ravens team we really saw what happened without him uh this season i like huntley i, I think he could play but lamar just takes that offense to a totally uh, different level and i do think like, Baltimore is a very well-run organization, and they, they do a great job drafting and, and bringing in talent. But I feel like the Ravens have been missing that one piece, maybe a, a top wide receiver, to go along with Hollywood Brown. Like, he's good, but it, I've never really thought of him as, like, a, a top dog. And with Lamar, I think his passing over the course of his career has improved. I think, if like, in terms of why you would really want to pay him if you're the Ravens, like, that would be a big sign for me, is he's shown me the ability get better as a passer which is huge when he's already an elite runner uh and i do think the ravens they're not too far off the division is going to be tough but i believe in coach harbaugh i believe in the foundation of this team and uh you know we'll see what happens going forward
1: yes sir and we'll see what happens on this show with the next topics that we got on the agenda after these brief messages keep it locked The Can You Dig It Sports Radio Network is here. Revolutionize
0: the game of media. dig.
1: Yes, yes, yes. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back here on In the Huddle and it's going down. We are going to the NBA and we are going to, you know, just give our superlative of this NBA playoffs. Okay, there's a lot that's going on in the NBA right now. A lot. Okay. But one of the creative things that I want to do here on the show. Was looking ahead to the playoffs, which is here, is literally here, we are in the playoffs right now, you know, um, basically, when you think about it, you know, I wanted to say something creative and have a creative topic, you know, because there's a lot of pressure when you're in the playoffs, it's not the regular season, okay, the regular season, you have 82 games to fool around, okay, you do. Right, you have a lot of breathing room I done seen the Celtics struggle Go 25 and 25 through 50 games Looking like they were straight garbage Looking like they was ain't gonna make the playoffs But then guess what Lo and behold, they were the number two seed Okay, so you have a little wiggle room But come playoff time Ah, it's a different ball game There's no wiggle room You have to play on a game-to-game basis Or you will be going home okay so there's a lot of pressure and therefore i present this question to the masses and to us here on the show let's get by the top five nba players under the most playoff pressure and zach i would love to do the honors here with my top five right now at number five i'm going to go kevin durant right off the rip okay the most pressure listen this guy has suffered an achilles injury okay upon coming to brooklyn and immediately had to shoulder the load of this whole entire office since he's came back to uh uh uh, to to the court okay when i look at a doctor and i got some intel from a doctor i'm not a doctor myself and guess what i don't plan on being one and i don't try to be one But a birdie and a doctor told me i have a doctor brother my, my oldest brother dr shakir salute brother my real brother that when you get hurt okay from an achilles injury You're susceptible to more injuries after that, okay? And this guy has been playing crazy amount of minutes and you wonder why, as sometimes he's getting hurt. Like this year, when he was missing through that stint because of um, a calf injury. Upon coming back, he had to take on 40 minutes per game. Okay, there's a lot of pressure on KD. Let's not forget this guy left the Warriors. A team that he won a championship with, okay? A team that he got to a finals with, okay? Three finals he got there with, okay? Two championships to be exact, okay? And he left that organization because he didn't feel justified because of that move that he made to go there in the first place, okay? So that's why he decided to take his boy, Kyrie Irving, and start something in Brooklyn. And right now, Brooklyn has been, when you talk about the last couple of years, been a disaster. They have been supposed to win at least one championship. They won none. And KD is the leader. He is the MVP of this team. And that's why if they fail, it falls a lot on Kevin Durant. I got him at number five. A lot of pressure. He's still going to have to put up minutes crazily. And, you know, he's been putting up minutes in the regular season. So let's see how his mileage lasts during the playoffs. At number four, I'm going to stay in Brooklyn. I'm going Kyrie Irving next. And the reason why I'm going Kyrie Irving over Kevin Durant, which may seem controversial to a lot of people, is right off the rip. Going up against his former team, the Celtics' first run of the playoffs, bro. It's going to be Kyrie versus the fans. And even though, you know, you got KD, you got your guys over there, you're you're in an isolated situation, bro. When the fans is booing you, every time you touch the ball, it's not the fans versus the Nets. It's the fans versus you. You in your own world. Okay, you're in your own world anyway, because Kyrie Urban is in his own world. But, you know, you're in your own world, especially when the fans is booing you. Okay, let's not forget you stepping on the logo. There's gonna be a lot of animosity, okay, against you. Uh, when you play the Celtics So there's a lot of pressure For Kyrie Irving He's leading the league In minutes right now Averaging 42 minutes per game And you know Nobody feels sorry for him Because he was no time Then he was part time And then he was full time And now he's showtime. Let's see if he continues To be showtime In the playoffs But there's going to be A lot of pressure On Kyrie Irving Off the rip Against the Celtics A team that wants To defeat Kyrie Irving And send him home They want revenge They sent the Celtics Home last year The Celtics is going to be Wanted to do the favor In return for the net So that's why I got Kabi Irvin Just a little ahead Of Kevin Durant Here on this list At number 3 I'm gonna go Luka Doncic Okay When I look at Luka Doncic bro He is the entire Office of the Mavericks Okay I like the fact that This year Okay When you think about Getting a guy like spencer did that was supposed to help out a little bit and he's been doing good he's been helping out um luca a lot but right now we all know that this office is luca centric it revolves around luca and now he got an injury a calf injury because his coach jason Kidd wanted to play him okay late in a game that didn't matter in the season finale okay so even when he got to come back even when he comes back let's say he comes back game one game two game three or whatever those things linger bro Those calf injuries linger, and he's going to have to continue to be that guy for this team in order for this team to have a chance. You talk about pressure. There's a lot of pressure, not to mention that he has not got out of the first round in his NBA career. Two years back-to-back, you lose in the first round. You cannot make it three years back-to-back. That's not a good sign, especially on paper. When I look at this matchup, excluding everything I know now, this was a matchup they should win. Against a Jazz team that's deteriorating. And now Luka Doncic is going to have to come back immediately. Whatever's left to him. And put it all out there on a a basketball court for them to win. And have a chance. There's a lot of pressure on Luka Doncic. And that's why I got him at number three. At number two. I'm going to go Chris Paul. Listen, he hasn't won a, a championship yet. Okay, a lot of people has been egging him on to win one. But he had opportunities. Nobody's feeling sorry for Chris Paul here on the show. At least I'm not okay you had an opportunity with the Rockets. you got hurt boom okay you had an opportunity last year and y'all choked against the bucks going up 2-0 and y'all choked y'all lost every single game after that okay like listen at the end of the day chris paul we want to see you win a championship he has a lot on his plate but there's no excuses because i mean you do got Devin book out here Balling like an MVP. He should have been in MVP discussions. He got flat out disrespected. Okay, the guy's a walking bucket. He's a hooper and he's a trooper. Okay, because he galvanizes his squad. You also got Mikel Bridges, who's one of the underrated defenders in this league. And he can get a bucket too. He's been one of the most um just underrated players in the NBA this season, in my honest opinion. You also got DeAndre Ayton. Okay, he played, he played good last year in the playoffs. Played really well last year. Actually upped this game in the playoffs. And guess what? He didn't get his money He won his back I expect him in the playoffs this year To have that same You know, replicate that same level of performance Okay, getting rebounds, putbacks Whatever they ask him to do, he will do So you got a squad And you are the number one seed in the East I mean the rest of the coffee, excuse me There's no excuses for you not Okay, everybody else except the, the Grizzlies have holes on their team Everybody, except for the Grizzlies Have holes on their team You need to win that game. And plus, you're the more experienced you've been down this road before. I'm not expecting nothing less. CP3, the pressure is on you at number two. At number one, I'm going to go with James Harden. I think this is unanimous in my brain. Uh, We'll see if Zach makes this unanimous. I think it's James Harden. You know, first of all, this guy's a character. He's a character, bro. I mean, listen. He requested to leave two organizations in two years. Where they do that at? Listen. I'm not mad, you know, before, because, you know, we all been in situations that we didn't like. I requested the transfer from a school in middle school and high school. But guess what? I only did it one time. And I knew even if I ain't not like the new school, I was staying in that new school till I graduated because I wasn't going to do it again because it's going to make me look like an asshole in my house. Okay, James Harden, the Rockets, I want out. Okay, go to Brooklyn. Go to Brooklyn, bro. You go to brooklyn you didn't even unpack your bags and you ready to jet because Kyrie Irving was part-time and Kevin Durant was um injured and you didn't even have the courtesy to realize that listen um these guys are coming back you know um let's throw caution in the wind there maybe the mandates change maybe Kevin Durant career is not over no I'm one out get me to Philly okay you're in Philly now and everybody think this two tandem right here with Joel Embiid and, and James Harden is going to be a top five duo in the league. A, a top duo in the league, people was arguing. Okay, now the pressure's on you. The ball's in your court. What you going to do with it? And I just don't think, I, I, I don't see nobody having more pressure than James Harden because of his playoff repertoire, which is not showing up you know not just sending in a body double to play basketball and hooping because that wasn't the James Harden that we know in the regular season so he has the most pressure right now and that's why he's number one for me so to recap my list at number five I'm going Kevin Durant at number four I'm going Kyrie Irving. at number three I'm going Luka Doncic at number two I'm going CP3 at number one I'm going James Harden these are my top five NBA players under the most playoff pressure this season So I pass the rock to you yeah,
0: that's a very good list. Uh, a lot of good reasons. We have uh, some similar names. So, without further ado, let's let's get into it. So, one guy that I'm gonna have on my list that you did not have on your list is Rudy Gobert. He's number five for me, and I, I think this Jazz situation is interesting because, not gonna lie, like you remember, I was really high on this team last year, and I know last year it was kind of like a jaded season. Like, it was just a shortened season with no fans. Now we're back to the normal schedule, playing real basketball. And the Jazz, they had a nice start. They, they obviously are secure in the playoffs and they've caught in a break with the Mavericks. But, man, like, it's things are deteriorating quickly. I'm hearing Clint Schneider's names in the Lakers rumors. I'm hearing that Donovan Mitchell just isn't happy, and the Jazz is continue to blow game after game. And he's being, you know, quoted on the court saying it's the same thing over and over and over again. After they were blowing leads uh, to the Clippers last year in the playoffs, and it really all started when when COVID and Rudy Gobert is out here touching the microphone. And I understand that Rudy is not the perfect player. He's had his. Fair share of playoff struggles, and for a defensive player of the year, that should always be a guy that is on the floor for you late in games. But he could get exposed sometimes, and I do think this is the last ride for this Jazz team. If they lose in the first round to a banged up Luka, like things are coming to an end, they might want to blow this thing up. The Jazz are, you know, a small market team. I think this core in this group over the last couple of years have have done a really good job in the regular season in in getting to the playoffs but they just haven't really been able to get over that hump yet and I think Rudy's the difference maker if him and Donovan Missler could ever get back on the same page like the Jazz could easily beat Dallas I just don't know if that's going to happen so Rudy he's under a lot of pressure for me I would have him at number 5. At number 4, I'll I'll go to the other uh, bench on the court in this series, the guy you had on your list in Luka Doncic for for really the same reasons, man. Like I think this guy is good enough to be one of the two or three, maybe the best player in the NBA sooner rather than later. He's that skilled offensively. Just the way he sees and feels and has develops a a thought for the game, it's really impressive. And he's a big point guard. He gets in the lane. He, He has very high basketball IQ. And I agree, like, Dinwiddie was a a solid pickup, but the Mavericks don't have a ton of talent around him, and if he's hurt, I'm kind of worried about Dallas in this series, but there's a lot of pressure on him. He's had some, I know he's played well against the Clippers, but that's always been a team with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George on the floor, you know, he wasn't really expected to win those series. But this is the first time in his career where the pressure is really on him, it was clear him and Porzingis, and him and Rick Carlisle, like that, those weren't going to work. And the Mavs really—they said, "Hey, man, you're our franchise. We're going to do whatever you want." They bring in Jason Kidd, they bring in Dignity, get rid of Porzingis. So I think there is a lot riding on him for this Dallas Maverick team. I would have him at number four. At number three, uh, I would have Kevin Durant, and I, I wouldn't put Kyrie Irving—you know—much far behind, honestly, because I think from an optical perspective, yes, Kevin Durant. Uh, He's a very polarizing player, he always is talking on Twitter, you know, he's not really the most likable guy, or the guy you always feel like you want to root for, but he's very good at basketball, and when it comes to the Nets, like, my thing is this, man. I think him and Kyrie are under a lot of pressure because if they don't play well, the Nets aren't beating anyone. Like, we saw what happened last night in the, play in the playing game. They were, like, off the floor for, like, three, four minutes, and all of a sudden, that's when the Cavs are going on their big runs. That was really concerning for me. Seth Curry's bound up going to get more into that, all oh, the, the deeper specifics of the series, but that's really my
1: thing, man. Like,
0: if Durant and Irving are either not on the floor, which Kyrie, like, he, whether we like it or not, he's been hurt in the playoffs the last couple of years and the reality is he can't he's had no success in the playoffs without lebron and, and it's a lot for him like you had both of them on your list like Kyrie just missed for me but i i kind of put these two next to each other man like there's a lot of pressure on both of them and, and if one of them fails the Nets aren't gonna make it Aren't gonna go for it and that's a lot of pressure for only two guys uh i think it's a very uh Polarizing an interesting situation in Brooklyn, no doubt. So, I would have those two, uh, those two guys next to each other at number three. Uh, at number two, you, you got to go with CP3, especially after the way last season ended. And I understand the Suns won the first two games of the finals last year and the, the Bucks ended up winning the next four. And, like, I guess you could classify that as a choke, but I just thought the Bucks were the best team, man. Like, that team was so good. And they were the, the more deserving team at the end of that series, in my opinion. But I look at this year... There's no doubt that the Suns are the best team in the NBA. And in my opinion, there's no doubt that like they should probably win a title. This is going to be Chris Paul's time. It, it, it better be, because if it's not, when is it ever going to happen? And I think the interesting thing is, like, the critique against Chris Paul in years past has been, oh, you know, he gets hurt in the playoffs every year. Last year as well, he, he literally just ran out of gas. And that's when the Suns fell apart. But it's interesting, like, this year, if he gets hurt, I'm not counting Suns out either, Booker and Aiden and Bridges. Like, they, they have the depth, they, they have the guys. So I think when they're healthy, especially with CP3, um, it, it's their title to lose, in my opinion. But there is a lot of pressure on him because he's, had, he's one of the best point guards of all time. One of the five or seven, six, seven, best point guards of all time. And uh, he deserves a ring, man. I, I'm a huge fan of his game, of his attitude. Every team he's been to, especially early, the, the team could be terrible. The Oklahoma City Thunder were trying to tank. And they get him and he ruined their plans of tanking and they are like, screw it, get out of here Like we don't want him anymore, we'll take the Suns draft picks and they turned into a final contender it's the, it's their time, man, it better be it better be his time, he'll be at number two and for number one, we're on the same page we have to go with James Harden, but honestly like I would put Joel Embiid not too far behind too, it's his team as well and I think this is such a fascinating matchup with the Raptors, like, look at it from a talent perspective, Harden and Embiid, it, Philly should win, it, it Doc Rivers, like, it should be their time, but we're going to get into our predictions and what we think about that series later. Like, I do not think the Sixers are a lock or a guarantee to win that series at all. And James Harden, he, he's had his playoff struggles. Like, I, I can't deny that. And he hasn't played well since he's been, got to Philly, if we're being honest. And I was very impressed with him, like, last year in the playoffs. I know that he didn't go off and he didn't lead the Nets to a series victory, but I've always gotten the sense with Harden, like, He has his flaws, but he always loves basketball. And he's going to be available most of the time, 100%, when he's not quitting on his team. And he can't quit on his team anymore um, with Philly after doing it a couple times in the last few years. But, man, like this is a guy that loves basketball he the thing other thing i respect about him is like when you walk into a gym and you see lebron you see kevin durant it's no secret as to why they're great basketball players when you look at their body but james harden literally just became great by taking advantage of a rule change and, and a rule that could be questionable and really created and developed his own style of play. And I think other people in the league have caught on to it a little bit. I think uh, you know, he's maybe lost a step or two just getting up there in age. But this is the last, going to be one of the last runs for him. And in Philly, man, like a first round exit would mean a lot just in terms of the future of him in Philly, the future of the team in Philly, Doc Rivers' future in Philly. I think the Sixers, just as a team in general, honestly, just have a lot on the line. especially in this first round so we're on the same page for the most part in the top five i would have rudy checking in at number five for me i would have luka Doncic checking in at number four we got kd and kyrie really right there up with him at number three cp3
1: at number two and uh at number one the beard james hart i think when you go back to that trade of the 76s and the nets you can argue though that whole call from both teams can make this top five all of them Kyrie, kd James Harden, Ben Simmons, and Joel Embiid. You can literally put all five of those guys in this list and make that a list because we can't forget about Ben Simmons. Let's say he does come back because we don't know. We don't have an intel on if he's playing or not. Me, I lean more towards no, but you never know. He may be playing. You know, he posted up an Instagram picture, you know, with his shoes, you know, on the court. So I'm guessing that means something. I don't know what that's supposed to mean, but I'm guessing that means that He's playing, you know, he's on, he's doing workouts, whatever that means. You know how social media is. But when you look at Ben Simmons, another reason why he's asleep, because if he does play, let's not forget, the last time we saw Ben Simmons on the court, it was not pretty at all. He was bypassing open layups, okay, bunnies, okay? He was bypassing that. And you talk about the fact that he did not play at all. And You're talking about not playing no regular seasons with your new team at all. Not playing the regular season at all not having that chemistry yet. And now you have to go in there and try to fit in. And it's not like Ben Simmons is really a traditional guy that you could just plug in there and play. Like you have to tell your team to fit Ben Simmons. And if you are going to do that in the playoffs, and that is gonna be an adjustment. Granted, the Nets still need Ben Simmons. And I will take that risk whether or not because of his defense, but that's still something that you're gonna to have to live and die by the sword of Ben Simmons. And I think that's pressure, especially on a guy that showed you the last time He was not built for that moment at all So I think he's worthy of being in this Consideration especially if he does play I think um, all those guys As well B too because remember has been in this league A long time just because James Harden is not there Doesn't mean Joel Embiid is alleviated from the pressure And the flag that he will get if he loses In the playoffs that's still there so he's Not exempted because James Harden is taking The majority of the flag some of that's gonna come On you too But I do think because James Harden is there, a lot of people is going to look at James Harden. And even though they're going to criticize Embiid, he's not going to take that full-on flack. And I don't think he will because I think he's going to put up numbers regardless. It's James Harden that's probably going to be the one to hold him back when it's all said and done. I like Rudy Gobert at number five. I think if we had to go for a team, I'll put the Jazz team up there high. You know, when you talk about Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert never being on the same page ever since COVID happened. Okay, it seemed like that disconnected and created a mutual disconnect between the two. That was the spark of it. And then it just transferred to on the court. And when I look at this, you know, Jazz team, I know what I'm going to get. They don't offer nothing new. You know, they play that old-fashioned style of basketball. Um, They sometimes within the regular season this year they wasn't doing that pretty much especially towards the end they till it off but it's like you know i know what i'm going to get with them they're going to have a lead they're going to blow that lead okay so you know i think they have a lot of pressure as an overall team and rudy Gobert and michael crozman of that so i like your list i think your list is pretty solid we got the same top two and i think unanimous top two honestly across the board if we ask other people so yeah zach any last words yeah, one more thought on Harden.
0: I just think it's interesting just throughout his career. Like, I understand he ha- he's been a bad playoff player, for being honest. And he 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 needs a big moment with Philadelphia. And it's just interesting when you combine that angle with the Doc Rivers and Embiid angle, like how last season ended, considering they gave up Ben Simmons for him. I, I think it's interesting. And and honestly, I- I've been very underwhelmed by Harden's performance since he got to Philly. Like, I'll admit, I I like the trade from a Philly perspective. Ben Simmons was never going to play there ever again. And I honestly, if I I were the Sixers, like, I would have been tempted to trade Ben Simmons in July as soon as the playoff incident happened. And I thought, oh, James Harden, like, they're not going to get a better player than that. And sometimes, like, a situation will crumble like that where the best you can do it still doesn't work out and maybe that's where the situation is trending but i just find it interesting that james harden all the pressure is on him in more ways than one and historically he has
1: not been good under pressure so it's it's scary i mean he has question marks doc rivers as a coach x's and o's and strategy wise just trying to make second half adjustments he's not that guy He's not a Tywon Lou. If Tywon Lu was coaching this team, i feel more confident about how far this team could go, not getting into my predictions or anything. You know, I think they, this team could make a finals possibly if they had a guy like Tywon Liu. Some guy that knows how to make the second half adjustments necessary to win basketball games. A little minor changes. If your best player is being blitzed, okay, you know how to you know react to that. Okay, you know it's the next man up, you know how to get them the ball. I don't think Doc Rivers has that intel anymore. You know, if ever, you know, you think about the one championship that he won. That was a long-ass time ago, bro. I did not almost go to bed since then, bro. Like, it's a long-ass time ago. So, um, I don't trust Doc Webber's in crucial situations. I don't trust um, James Harden in the playoffs. And I think when you add that recipe, we may get some infernos going on here. So, um, we'll see what happens, Zach. But that's our top five players under the most precious list right there. And feel free to react on can you dig sports drop a comment drop a dm let me know how you feel about this list who we miss who you like and things of that nature with that being said we have concluded the first hour of in the huddle we are going to have time we're going to play a couple songs a couple commercials and we'll be right back here and you will be right back here for our number two we got some more topics stay tuned Hour number two we in the building so to recap everything from our number one that we talked about we started off talking about Derek carr you know his three-year 121.5 million dollar extension and is he deserving of that money we also transferred that to lamar jackson because he's still yet to ink him and Kyler murray we talked about the quarterbacks there and then we also just gave our list not too long ago of our top nba players under the most Playoff pressure, top five. We talked about that. We went through all the top five guys that we had on my and Zach's list. So we did that for our number one. It was a fun hour number one and a methodical hour number one. Now, what it do? It's time for our number two. We're going to keep it here in the NFL as the 49ers... Or in the headlines with Debo. Okay, you got the Seattle Seahawks in the headlines with DK Metcalf. You also got some wide receivers still left on the boards as a free agent to get scooped up. There's a lot of things to talk about here, specifically with the wide receivers in the National Football League. So, Zach, I will start it off with some superlips, and I'm going to send it your way. Starting off with the 49ers. Are they making a mistake by considering trade offers for Debo Samuel? so
0: just a couple overall thoughts on the wide receiver position before we get into this i found it very interesting that throughout the week you look at different teams and their approach of how they're handling the wide receiver position right we see tyree in the chiefs we see Devonte adams and the packers those guys are let go but then we see other teams right like buffalo a few years ago then bringing in stefan diggs was the best move they could have ever made for Josh Allen. And it ended up working out for Minnesota, too, on the other end with uh, Justin Jefferson, them getting their hands on him. And I think it's interesting that there are some teams that are like, okay, like take wide receiver. We don't want to pay him. We, we just can get the best value for him right now. And there's some other teams that are just really hungry and trying to get that guy. When it comes to Debo Samuel, though, I say this. He's asking for about like, $26, $27 million. That's Tyree Kill money. That's Devontae Adams' money, that's Stephon Diggs' money, that's DeAndre Hopkins' money. Like Those are the, the top four guys that are making that kind of money right now. And I'm not going to lie, where, like I love Debo. He was so impressive th- this past season, and he showed flashes his first couple of years in the league. But for that eight or ten game stretch when he was just literally carrying the 49ers to victories by himself, just putting the team on his back, that was super impressive. No doubt about it. But at the same time like there's only 10 games when I'm looking at Devontae Adams when I'm looking at Tyree Killen when I'm looking at Stephon Diggs who was dominating in Minnesota for a couple years before he even got to Buffalo these guys are just older a little bit more established players in the league and honestly like I don't blame the 49ers for saying like hold on Debo, you still have a couple more years left on your contract we're not gonna give you 20 plus million dollars until you can show us that you've been that you could uh perform at an elite level for multiple years, because let's not forget, this is really the same guy that showed up to camp in 2020 out of shape, got hurt and was really, couldn't stay on the field. So as great as that 10 game stretch was, I just think he has a little bit more to prove and uh, I, I don't blame the 49ers for, I don't think they're going to trade him, but, you know, if he holds out, like, let's let's see him hold out, and I, 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 they'll probably come up with a deal eventually, but one more other point I'll bring up, if you're the 49ers, and you already have a guy in George Kittle that is very impressive when he's on the field, um, but like, he's had a little bit of trouble staying healthy over the last couple of years, and the worry with Debo is, even though he's technically a wide receiver, a big part of his game is that running back ability, and that scheme and being a power runner and we know like over the course of time like we don't love to pay running backs we hope that their bodies don't just diminish as quickly but historically in the NFL when you're at your best as a running back it's for a two three year span so I think that I don't blame the 49ers whatsoever
1: really for not giving them Devonta Adams Tyreek Hill money I would say this You know, when I think about it, the fact that we may get Debo Samuel getting traded before Jimmy Garoppolo's ass line, You know, I I just... Just looking at that from that perspective before we even get to the contract and things of that nature and the value of that contract for Debo Samuel. Just looking at that alone. You know, seeing... Or possibly seeing... Debo Samuel getting traded before Jimmy Garoppolo Was asinine to me bro I just can't even picture that Because of how much Debo Samuel means to that team And the fact of the matter is We think the riding is on the wall We think that the wars of Jericho is crashing And the horns already sounded for Jimmy Garoppolo We think it's a wrap So if we see Debo traded before Jimmy Garoppolo Then you know that's going to look To the average eye like what's going on Now we get to the contract side of things here And um, I think you got to pay up Honestly, and the reason why I think you got to pay up is because you have him playing two positions. You got to get paid like you playing two positions, bro. You got to play in wide receiver. You got to play in running back. Pay him both. You know what I'm saying? Pay him his money. Because at the end of the day, you're going to run him into the ground. You ran him into the ground last year. Guy was hopping on one leg in Green Bay, bro. Out there in the cold. And you still ran him into the ground. You didn't give him the ball in the last 10 minutes of that NFC Championship game. That cost you. That was the game right there. Give him the ball a little bit more. Ten minutes in the fourth quarter against the Rams in the NFC Championship game. You went away from him, you lost. Okay, if he didn't emerge when Jimmy Garoppolo sucked at one point this year. Because remember, there's two seasons of Jimmy Garoppolo this year. It was a Jimmy Garoppolo that sucked. And it was a Jimmy Garoppolo that was like, okay, what's up? I'm Jimmy Garoppolo. How you doing, sir? Okay. One that where Jimmy Garoppolo sucked, if it wasn't for Debo okay in the emergence of Debo and him you know obviously being hurt last year but taking him taking it upon himself to be that yak guy known as the yak return of the yak return of the yards at the catch that's Debo Samuel's middle name okay and because of his performance they ran Debo to the playoffs they ran Debo to the NFC championship game you minus Debo I am not looking at this 49ers team the same at all and you cannot convince me to look at them similar okay if they didn't have Debo they're not making it that far So I think when you talk about Debo and the fact that he was the best wide receiver outside of Cooper Cup last year in the National Football League, I think you pay up. Otherwise, you lose him. That's it. And if you lose him, you got a rookie out here in trade land, so you... Rock with Jimmy Garoppolo. Whatever the hell you trying to do with your quarterback situation. We don't even know today. But let's say you go with Trey Lance. Then he doesn't have, number one, Mike McDaniels, his offensive coordinator back. He's going to have to deal with that. And he doesn't have his number one wide receiver in Debo Samuel. And somebody else will have him. So you don't have that luxury of short routes getting into Debo Samuel or just Pitching it to him in the backfield And letting him use his legs And, you know, that's the 49ers problem to deal with How they deal with that and how they rebound from that If they have a plan to rebound from that Then maybe you consider it If you have a backup plan But as far as I'm concerned, I don't have a backup plan for them And I don't think they have one for they damn selves So you pay up
0: Yeah, I think we're on the same page that we're not going to trade this guy, really, under any circumstance. But I will say, I don't think there's a need to pay him right now when he still has a year left on his deal. Like, why not just franchise? If he goes out there for a full 15, 16, 17 games this year and produces close to a similar level that he did this past year, fine. I have no problem paying him. I think we're on the same page. He's one of the 10 best receivers in the NFL. Maybe better, honestly. He's very valuable to his team, 100% my issue is though like when you look at other guys like in the same range he's literally asking to be right there with Devontae adams to be the highest paid receiver in football when he's really only played at at an elite level for like 14 games like that's a little risky if i'm the 49ers i just want to see him go out there and do it for a little longer and if he really wants to go hold out and, and, and do that and bring all the attention on himself like that like i'd have him i'd go to hardball with him for a little bit this is going to be an ugly negotiation like i I think it's really trending towards that way because debo's out here saying like it's 25 million dollars or nothing and when you when you look at it from the 49ers perspective like For a guy that's done it for not that long, and for a guy that, like, with his style of play, I think eventually they're going to get a deal done. But I think also the wide receiver position, too, and, like, I know it's a little hard because he's a running back also, but, like, this is what I mean. What approach does the 49ers take? Are they going to be, like, the Chiefs, or I know the uh, the Packers wanted to retain Adams, he just didn't want to be there anymore, but are they going to be, like, okay, like, if we the jets for example if the jets call up and uh offer the number 10 pick for debo like if you're the 49ers you're like i would think about doing that right like i I don't think that's a trade that like you're just gonna just hang up and say no when Debo has a year left on his contract
1: like i I think that's where things get interesting here it's tough to say you know because um i mean yeah I, i think you listen to the call you know if somebody's buzzing the jets is buzzing you with that 10 pick you you, i won't hang up the phone don't get me wrong i'll listen to the call and see it it all depends on how you feel about this wide receivers class which a lot of people like it way better than the quarterback class so you know yeah but i think the at some point the 49ers are gonna have to pay up right now also look at the other guy the two-headed guy on the other side brandon Ayuk. he's in his third year next offseason he's probably gonna have to get paid unless they I need mean, to know I mean, second. he's 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 all right but like i i need to before if i'm the niners before
0: i want to i'm comfortable paying him big money like i want to see him stay on the floor and be productive too like i think these guys like still have a lot to pro- when they're under contract right when these guys don't have another year left like they just have to prove a little more than this man like like, Ayuk's a fine player, but, like, you know, like, you can't, this is a salary cap league. Like, when you're paying these guys, like, this amount of money, you have to think about, like, long term, like, how is this going to play that, that's, why, and that's And that's why I would pay team.
1: Debo. I would pay Debo because guess what? Now, you don't have to pay Brandon Ayuk. You can pay Debo as your top wide receiver, and then you can have Ayuk think he's going to get paid and let him ball out this year as a proven year, and then raise his stock up, and then you can trade him. And you may get something back for Brandon Ayuk. So, I think if you're the 49ers, it's not the end of the world. It's not world of the world's here. You have some leverage if you play smart. You can pay Debo and let Ayuk play this year because he still has a lot to prove. I think the second half of last season, he definitely played a little bit better for sure, especially in the playoffs. I actually thought he came along really well. But... He still has more to prove. You let him prove it, let his trade stock go up, and you trade him and get assets back, and you're not really livid at the Debo trade, especially if he's healthy and on the football field. I think if you're Debo, from Debo's perspective, if you're his agent, you want him to secure that bag. You're not telling him anything otherwise. You know your worth to this team. So if you're his agent, you're doing the right thing. You're trying to get him paid. And they know, he knows, Debo knows, and the 49ers know how valuable Debo is today offense. So I, you know, I think when you have that situation when a player knows his worth and the agent knows his player's worth, and the team is like, Hold up, wait a minute, you're not there yet. You're not you are not at that point. We should we should be having this conversation. It puts you in a jam. But at the end of the day, I do think in most cases, unless your player is not a top player at his position, you gotta cave to that player. Most times and not, not all the time. But most times and not, and I think in this situation, you might have to cave to Debo. He's your leader, not only on the football field from a production standpoint, but think about his leadership. He's the guy that's always bringing everybody out first. He's the one that's first out the locker room, leading and galvanizes his troops. You see him with the chain. You see how everybody galvanizes around him. You know, yeah, right now, he may be having a selfish moment trying to get paid, but he's not selfish on the football field. So at the end of the day, I think you let him go, I'm looking at this for you now to seem different, you know, and I think um, if you don't let him go, right, if you try to work it out and say, yo, you better play football, then, you know, we may not get the same Debo, you know, we may not get all, all in Debo, you know. Uh, yeah, and I, I think for me, man, like, the key for me, I want to see this guy stay on the field and just
0: continue to produce at an elite level on the field. And, and for me, like, he's been injured every year he's been in the league. And when, when I look at Devontae Adams, when I look at Tyree Kill, when I look at DeAndre Hawkins, besides this year and recently, like, these guys are on the field every game and producing at a high level. And I do think eventually we're going to get to a point, if Debo goes out there and balls out this year for the 49ers, like, I, I, like the 49ers eventually are going to have no problem paying him they just want to see him play a little bit more when they're committing this kind of money like 25 million dollars it's a huge cap, and they're gonna for one thing like they have to trade Jimmy to free up cap space for Debo if, if they want to pay him like that's another big factor that we haven't even factored into this yet but I think that's my thing man like when you can Stephon Diggs like he's been producing at, a, at an elite level for the past five years at, at two teams with different quarterbacks and different coaches and my thing with Debo is he was great last year no doubt about it and his first two years in the league he showed flashes and i think he is very valuable with his team but if he if he has trouble staying on the field like and the 49ers commit all this money to him like that could blow up in their face and i think like when you are giving out a contract this lucrative to a wide receiver which like very slowly like for all we know might be becoming the next the next running back in terms of like there's always a lot of good ones out there we know this draft class in terms of wide receivers is gonna be really good also for possibly cheaper like It's different teams in the way they they handle the situation is going to be very interesting because I think we can see a lot of different approaches as we've already seen so
1: far. I mean, I know Debo Samuel has had his fair shares of injuries upon his NFL tenure, and I get it. But who are you to tell me about injuries, Mr. 49ers, when the 49ers has been dealing with injuries of their own? I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo, hello, the starting quarterback of this team still got paid, even though he's been injury prone from the jump street. Okay, he still got his money. Brandon Ayuk, before he even got on the football field, he was hurt. Okay, this team has been decimated the last couple years, and one guy who was there was Debo Samuel. When you combine his usage, you would think if he was really, I mean, I see from, he, met, he missed. He missed two games, big games that co- that could have cost them
0: the division this past year. And in twenty twenty, he played. He missed uh, you know ten
1: plus games. Like that's a problem. <laughs> well, remember, twenty twenty was the year there? of the the injuries for the 49ers. Yeah, no, that, I am mean, the- not saying, dude. Like, there is no. I am not saying
0: that they, they should be you know paying Brandon Ayuk or any other receiver all this money. If you are going to pay anyone, of course it's going to be him. I just want to see, and I think they want to see him produce and be on the
1: field more consistently. That's all. If you debo bro it depends on how Debo takes the next no, step? It's like yo, trade man, I'm interested in this. Is how far would he go, right? Because
0: let's just say, like, it's different with a quarterback, right? Like, in base, like with Deshaun Watson, like he sat out the whole offseason, season, but like we st- the whole season, and we still agree, like when he's gonna be back on the field, it'll take a little bit of time, but like with a quarterback, like it's that valuable, like it, like throwing. If you have a great arm, like that's not really something that's gonna change over a year time in your peak. But with Debo, like, when you're having trouble staying on the field, sometimes if he were Would hold out the whole season like that's gonna plummet his value that wouldn't be a smart decision on his end whatsoever and as good as he is like I think he he assumes that he has a little more leverage than he actually does I
1: don't know when you look at the, the wide receiver market he's gonna get paid regardless you might as well pay him now you know at the end of the day we saw Tyreek Hill getting money we saw Devontae get money what if he
0: gets hurt this season though what if he missed 10 games which he has in the past like I, like that the 49ers are looking good much, much better then than now in terms of the money like I, I don't think that, That's what, if, what if that happens then like I understand why he's trying to get paid but from the 49ers perspective like it's
1: risky like if he gets if he misses 10 games this year like what's his value at the end of next season at the end of the day what what length is he willing to go if he doesn't get his money does he say yo trade me Does he hold out from training camp You got a rookie quarterback out here man You can't be having him holding out for training camp I can understand Jimmy Garoppolo He hold out a little bit Alright cool we already know chemistry is there anyway Regardless he could come later on But you got a rookie quarterback out here bro Alright supposedly Depending on if you decide to roll with him You don't want this guy not showing up To training camp when you have a rookie quarterback Trying to get connections with his teammates And try to figure out this system And learn this system in his second year it could be a lot of um implications if debo is willing to take this further and if he is then now the 49ers are even in a bigger hole compared to where they are right now yeah and, and it's
0: an interesting decision man because like we agree that he is very valuable to the team, but like we saw the Chiefs the Chiefs trade Tyree Hill. Like when we when we saw that, like it's like okay, like anyone anyone can be traded, honestly, at this point. And like, I think and I
1: think they will regret it. I think a lot of these people that's trading these these star wide receivers is gonna regret it at some capacity. I'm not saying the Chiefs office is not gonna still hum. You still got Patrick Mahomes, you got Juju McShucha, I think he's gonna fit well in that system. I actually love to the fit there. You know, you also got MVS. I think the offense is still gonna be humming. But it's not going to be a bailout, somebody that's going to bail Patrick Mahomes out. When Patrick Mahomes is going to struggle, and you don't have to play two safety against the Chiefs no more. A lot of people's not talking about that. The only reason why you played two safety was to take away Hill. Now you're playing the Chiefs a totally different way. They're going to miss Tyreek Hill. I'm telling you that. They will. You know, the Packers, they're going to miss Devontae Adams. But I don't care who they pick up in the draft, who they pick up on free agency. They're going to miss Devontae Adams' presence. Alright, so both of these teams That's losing these wide receivers I don't care if their offense Is still putting up numbers They're going to miss them At some point point. And I think, you know The 49ers will be in that same boat If they part ways If they trade Or if they don't pay Debo Samuel his money
0: Yeah, I think the approach Those teams are taking Is in the short term They're willing to sacrifice Getting a little bit worse In the short term For the ability To get better in the long term And I think that's another thing Like with the 49ers They have a very young quarterback In Trey Lance And I do think in an ideal situation like yeah they're gonna want Debo to be there along for the ride but you know Kyle Shanahan the way he is like I don't feel like he's a guy that that cares about people's feelings like if, if the 49ers and Debo can't get agreed to terms like you know he's just gonna move on and try to find the next Debo Samuel that's the way this this works and I just think like it can't just be as simple as you have to pay him like he, he was so good this past year like give him 25 million dollars like I just think that there has to be a little bit more to that. And for me, I just want to see him on the field for a consistent basis compared to the market, bro. What does Debo and those four wide receivers have in common in terms of their resume? It's nothing. Like you could say he's valuable, you could say, you know, the 49ers are gonna, aren't going to be great long term, but Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch don't believe that. They look at the other receivers in the league that are making that money, and they look at Adams and Hill and Hopkins
1: and Diggs and they say, oh, these guys have been producing at an elite level for four years, not one. If you look at Debo, you're going to use him, I assume, in similar ways that you did last year, which is doing everything, everything, one and back, wide receivers yak guy y'all's at the catch you're going to use him that way so it's like he's already his value is worth more just off of that you know what I'm saying? Because you're going to use him in a way where you could run him into the ground. Like, he could get hurt. you call him injury-prone, but the way how they so use so him if, if that's the case, why would you want to pay him now? Like, that's my worry, dude.
0: Like if, 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 if Dima wants to hold out, honestly, like, that's the thing. If I'm the Niners, like, that's the way I'm looking at it. If this guy is crazy enough to hold out and, and sacrifice a, a year of his football career, like, that's not our problem. But if you're the 49ers, I think you would rather run into that issue, right? Of him just, like, refusing to play. Like, if, he, if you don't give him this lucrative contract then you pay him this year unnecessarily and then he gets hurt if, if he could go out there on the field and show us i'm good to go injuries are not a worry here i'm on the field for i could show you that i could stay on the field consistently and play at an elite level consistently then pay me like, and I think the 49ers will if that's the case. But the thing is, if you pay him and week one he suffers a serious injury, which I hate to say, like I, I hate to use injuries against these guys, but I'm just trying uh, my best to, to look at it from the Shanahan and John Lynch perspective, and I see where they're coming from. Honestly, I do. Uh, if he gets hurt and you pay him that bag, the
1: 49ers are screwed. I just think, and I in here, you know, I understand where you're coming from, right? He had a great season, it wasn't, you know last year before this season was injury prone, I get it. But at the same time, I think he, this season alone, already cemented him, in my personal opinion, as a top 10 wide receiver. He knows that. He knows what he brings to this team. He knows that he's going to be used uh, as an every-down-wide receiver. So I'm not mad at from his perspective. From the 49ers' perspective, yeah, you can try to hold it out a little bit. But if he takes it to extreme measures, and now we're getting late into the season, in the summertime, training camp, Trey Lance is your rookie guy. You're trying to give him the keys to the car. I mean, he's once, dealing with these once again, trackers, I'll, I'll point this out, to Wait, your team.
0: what about the draft? Like if, if, like, if you're the Niners and, like, it's apparent in three weeks that like, okay, like we're, we're
1: nowhere close to a deal. Cause once again, like this thing is getting ugly.
0: Like it, it could be
1: that kind of negotiation. Like if the you have to drop the YBC, but at the job, you will literally, if you know right now, now in your heart of hearts, that you're not paying Debo his money, then you should be smart enough to- well, What is his, his money receiver. though? What is his money though? Like, you know, like that, dollars, that, just like well, how he so Like, you know, like that,
0: that's the thing. Like if you, if, if the Niners like settle, like, okay. We'll give you twenty, like that, like that, and and they're that's the message they're sending. They're not really willing to go up from there. And and honestly, like uh, based on the, the other receivers making that money, like I don't think that's crazy if he makes the same money as a Keenan Allen. Like
1: you know, like I, I, honestly, like I, I think that's the like he's more productive than whoa. a Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen, I think it's. I'm not trying to. Keenan Allen well, like, has is more though. Like Keenan has been a beast but you know, like uh, right uh, now he, he was show up. Yeah, yeah, okay, that's fine But
0: right. Keenan has been producing for five plus years And Debo's been doing it for one That's the difference when you're, looking at from when you're negotiating, man Like, it's your resume You can talk about where you are right now But it's your resume And what you've done for me recently And the bottom line is Debo has only been
1: able to stay on the field And produce at a consistent yeah. level For only one full year That's an issue and what Debo has done recently for me Is be my best player on this team That's recently one year, that's, for, that's for 10 that's, games That's a season You gotta show me more Gotta show me more well, Debo has to show Zach a little bit more and the 49ers a little bit more in that retrospect. But Zach, stay in here at the wide receiver conversation here because these two guys are interesting to me. And that's O'Dell Beckham Jr. and Julio Jones. They're going yeah. still... to yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. My fault. Thank you for bringing that up. D-K, that's another guy. You know, we, we stayed a lot on the d on the Debo. I totally forgot about D-K. <laughs> now, D-K Metcalf. Should the Seahawks trade D-K Metcalf? And Zach, I'm going to notice at you right now first of all i would like to say because i don't even think i said it before even though we talked about russell wilson at least i know i did you had your prior commitments at that time but i know i talked about the trade of russell wilson the fit with the broncos i talked about that a good amount not as much as i thought i would but decent amount but i never really got to say how i feel about it from the seahawks perspective as i'm tying it to dk metcalf first of all i think the seahawks is idiots for even trading Russell Wilson from the start When you consider the fact that I just hate When organizations Choose the coach Especially an old ass coach (laughs) Over the player with more upside We see the same thing with the Patriots With Tom Brady and Bill Belichick Even though Tom Brady was old You know in football years er Older than Bill Belichick in football years Right and they decided to move on from him, But that clearly didn't work They chose the wrong guy And I'm not shy to say that here I know a lot of people say, like, oh, well, see what Mac Jones could do. Maybe Bill Belichick. Stop it. Stop right there. Brady won a championship. You could have won one recently. I think they lost that on And when I look at the Seattle Seahawks, why you trade Russell Wilson? If he doesn't like his coach and he doesn't like that old, outdated scheme of philosophy and ways of thinking, fire the coach. All right, he got 70 something years old. Fire him, get a new coach, and you already have your nucleus. Your DK and your Tyler Lockett's ready to roll And the underrated running back this year in Washad Penny Okay, we had running back issues for the last couple years Chris Carson's durability We get it, but Washad Penny came there And took the keys And took the reins of the running back position And ran away with it, I think, for the next year Now, because you traded away Russell Wilson, okay Does not mean I'm going to throw a curveball, curveball here, Does not mean you need to trade away DK Metcalf too because at the end of the day, you one quarterback away from competing in this division. A lot of people like, "Oh, they need to break it down." I right, just, just break it down. You traded Russell Wilson. I right, just break it down. Start over, rebuild. No, wrap it to reload. Right? Let's say Baker Mayfield. Right? Let's say Baker Mayfield is this good quarterback. I don't think he is. I everybody know that by now. But a lot of people believe it or not. Still believe, some have, they split. Still believe that Baker Mayfield could be a good quarterback in this league. And quite frankly, he did get his team to the AFC division around. Now, I know it's a totally different team and a totally different structure and things of that nature. But he got there. Some guys don't get there. Some guys that we expect to get there haven't got there. Let's say you, let's say Drew Locke is the guy. right? Let's say you, you, you take Drew Locke and you think he's a solid quarterback. That can win you some football games. He has a strong arm, and you believe in this dude. And maybe Denver wasn't it. I think you could you won quarterback away, bro. Keep digging, Metcalf. Yes, if the Jets are foolish enough to offer you the tenth pick, you have to listen to that.
0: That's what well, you, you, you took. What happened with that? Right? The Jets apparently offered it. They they wanted yes. to. I no. <laughs>
1: The Jets are stupid. It doesn't make... They so desperate for a wide receiver. They'll take me if I can catch a few balls <laughs> at this point in time, bro. Like, they are really desperate. And and, and that's that the pick that the Seahawks gave them. Yeah, like, yeah I, that's I, why they didn't take it. Roll <laughs> for, for all that back and Seattle's going to take that joint. Come on. Seattle yeah, see, they, they
0: did. Dude. Seattle was like, nah, we're good. And um, I, I think it's interesting. I, we're on the same page. I, I think... When you're a general manager, right, just in basic terms, like what is the goal of the job? Isn't the goal or one of the primary goals of the job is to draft players in the second round, in the third round, in the fourth round, that you could turn into keepers and long-term franchise blue chip players. Like that's the goal of being a GM. And with Russell Wilson, it's one thing, like we'll we'll never really know like why they ended up trading him. But honestly, like at the end of the day, he spent what, nine, ten years in Seattle, I just think he wanted to go to a bigger city he was you know he could say go hawks all he wants he could be mr seahawk we know russell wilson man like i'm fully convinced this guy is a robot like when it comes to his public image and his appearance and his interviews like you will never get anything out of him and honestly like that's my explanation as to why he's no longer in seattle like he was just done there and he was there for nine ten years like he Gave them a super bowl got them to another he did do a lot for that franchise but when it comes to dk man like no matter who your quarterback is he's gonna be a a nice piece for them to have whether it's drew lock whether you draft someone this year uh that's a good guy to have And, and that was a really good draft pick by john schneider and i do think that john schneider like he does have a little bit of time but if seattle doesn't make the playoffs and they're not back up in contention in the next two or three years like he's gonna be on the hot seat too and uh trading dk Metcalf is not if he's still trying to win a little bit that's that's not the best way to go um so I, I do think we're on the same page that if you're Seattle you should hold on to this guy
1: yeah i just i just don't like that narrative that you get a wide receiver you know when he's cheap on his rookie deal he becomes a top 10 wide receiver and right before he's about to get expensive you trade him you know i, I just don't see the value in that for most teams you know like i, I think if you have a productive wide receiver granted Out of the group that we're talking about here, you know, whether it be Debo, whether it be AJ Brown, I think DK Metcalf is behind those two guys. Me personally, from a personal standpoint, I think these other two guys do a little bit more than what DK can. I think DK is more of a freakish, you know, athlete than he is a wide receiver traditionally. If you look at Debo, not Debo, if you look at DK and you look at him, he's not really, really... He doesn't strike you as a wide receiver like that. Like he, he strikes you as somebody that's athletic, that it can make a power <laughs> lift or two. Yeah, power lifted. There you go. You know, and that's what he strikes me as. So, um, either either that, I think if you rock with Debo, oh my God, excuse me, I'm over here saying Debo. We talked about Debo so much. Debo's still in my head. If you rock with Juelock, if you rock with Baker, if you whatever you find the quarterback, draft quarterback. the quarterback. Draft the quarterback. I think having a a core cool piece like a DK. And a tower locket it. is a great start. You don't have to. You don't have to go full rebuild now, right? You don't have to. You see, Seattle, bro. Like you look at the NFC. We talked about it, bro. The NFC is up for grabs. Why are we rebuilding right now? You see the NFC. What are the teams that's out there competing other than the Rams? Yeah. and you saw Pete Carol too. Like he's gonna want to win, right? Like he's yes, he's on his last leg. Exactly. So you don't have to this narrative, oh, rebuild. You trade Russell Wilson, rebuild. First of all, like I said, you should have traded him, but that doesn't mean you go on a full rebuild. You get a quarterback, you're a quarterback away. Get you a quarterback, whoever you believe that quarterback is. If you need to bring in Baker Mayfield to compete with Drew Locke and see who dukes it out and earn it, or if you need to drop the quarterback, that's on you. But I don't think you need to trade DK Metcalf and um just trade away one of your best wide receivers for nothing. You know, just to have some draft picks and draft capital. No, you are already so just so for the most part over these years with these draft moves and paying dudes like jamal adams and things of that nature but um compete the division is up for grabs like nas will say the world is yours the nfc is yours if you want it go ahead and try to get it okay so yeah that's my thoughts on that but real quickly zach i do got one more question before we get to odell and julio stay here with dk and adding Debo back into this conversation and adding AJ Brown into this conversation because AJ Brown was also supposedly allegedly in rumors as well that the Titans will be interested even though we don't believe I don't I don't believe those rumors but they were out there about AJ Brown potentially getting traded and getting dealt out of these three guys because you hinted at it you planted the seeds for me to lob this question to you you said before the draft happens I'm expecting one more big trade now, I'm not sure if that trade is a wide receiver, quarterback, or what trade you think is going to happen. But if it is a wide receiver trade, out of these three guys, who do you think would be most likely traded?
0: It's a really good question. I think we're on the same page with A.J. Brown. Like, the Titans are still a team that's really trying to win. They just lost Julio Jones. So, really, A.J. is their top dog. And uh, I think that that's going to be a guy they'd want to keep around. I at the other two. It's interesting. Like, DK has his flaws as a player, but, like, he scores touchdowns, 29 touchdowns in three years. That, that's a, an, an impressive run that he's been on over the last couple of years. And honestly, I, I could see him. I could see Debo. I, I would say one of those two would be where the heavy lean is. But, uh, I, you know, like I, 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 if I were to guess one, I think DK Metcalf gets
1: traded to the Ravens. Draft night. He gets traded, oh, so you gave me the team. You said the Ravens. He gave me the whole nine yards with that one. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I slightly agree. Yeah, I slightly agree with you. I, I I go deep. I go DK. You know what I'm saying? I go DK. Um, I think you know because they traded Russell Wilson, they will fail. Even though I totally went against it, they will fail, and their minds that maybe a rebuild is the best thing for them. Even though I already, you know, beat down that horse that they don't need to. I think they probably will. I think they will listen to office. I think uh, I mean, didn't like the if They didn't take that Jets deal, right? Number ten for DK, but. I'm not sure how I feel about the Ravens um, pick. Like, I understand the Ravens need a wide receiver. Um, Theoretically, that would make sense. But from a schematic point, I'm not sure how I feel about the Ravens just being a a place that wide receivers would want to go to. But granted, that would be a trade. So it's not like he would have input on where he would want to go. I mean, honestly, dude, if the Ravens offered him, like, $20 million, like,
0: maybe he would want to stay there five years, 20 million. Like, Maybe Maybe. maybe he would want to go there,
1: you know? yeah maybe you look at the more That's like thing right
0: like he, like no team is gonna trade for him without knowing like okay if we pay him like that's what happened with tyreek you know like he's gonna want to commit here long term take the money we're good to go um and that's gonna be a key too i yeah you know he doesn't really have a no trade clause but no team is really gonna want to trade for him unless they know like okay you're our top guy and as a like from the team perspective like i don't know if the jets were to make that trade right like trade DK and on the spot give him like a five-year deal like I wouldn't be feeling great about that either like it, it really just depends like where your team is and what else they have to give up that's the thing also like Kansas City refused to pay Tyreek Hill right they didn't want to give him that top dollar Miami not only did they give him that top dollar but they were willing to give up a hell of draft picks for him too so the price they had to pay for Tyreek was bigger by a large margin
1: than Kansas City had to and they still took the bullet and and they got him so these are I think the Dolphins it's interesting yeah listen the Dolphins is going to be happy with that pick bro the only thing they're missing right now is a quarterback and I said that before I'll say it again they got everything Wide receivers all across the board Speed at his finest Running backs upon running backs Chase Edmonds You know, Miles Gaskin You know, uh, they got a deep core You still got the tight end Mike Gesicki, who had an underrated year last year They got everything but a quarterback They need a quarterback Once they get a quarterback Then they'll reap the benefits of that deal of to Ty- Tyreek Hill But, um, yeah, I think uh, I'm pretty much done with DK Here in that portion of the wide receivers conversation Now, there is some cheaper Wide receivers, right? We talking about the expensive guys. There's some cheaper dudes here that are free agents right now. In Odell Beckham Jr., a lot more, but clearly the guys, the names that ring out to me at least is Odell Beckham Jr. and Julio Jones, two at one point prominent receivers in the NFL. I think Odell Beckham Jr. had a very decent year with the Rams last year prior to his ACL injury. He probably could have won Super Bowl MVP had he stayed playing. Like, I literally think it was trending that way. He might have got the MVP just because that attention was on Cooper Cup, allowing him to eat, really. But, um, yes, the ACL injury happened. They picked up Allen Robinson, the Rams did. Now, the Rams may not be all out on Odell. They may bring back Odell. I just don't think if you're Odell's agent, you consider that, especially moving down the depth chart. I, don't, I won't buy that. So, me personally, if I had to pick a team for Odell Beckham Jr., I'm looking at the Packers. I think if you're the Packers, you need a good two or three wide receivers anyway. So you can still work the draft. But you need two to three. You lost Devontae Adams. That's And Rodgers don't even trust anybody else other than Adams. You lost that guy. Do it all. You need about two or three guys. I would look old Beckham Jr.'s way. I think it would be a better fit with Aaron Rodgers, a guy that can play in the slot, a guy that can play deep vertically as well. I think he would be a weapon for Aaron Rodgers, assuming he gets back healthy from that ACL injury. And for Julio, I'm gonna throw the Cardinals out there for Julio Jones to play with Colin Murray alongside D-Hop. You know, that's a match that I always wanted to see happen. You know, at one point, those were two top five wide receivers in the NFL. I think Julio Jones has lost a step because of injuries, literally because of injuries. I do think if Julio Jones could be healthy, he can be a top 10 wide receiver still in this league. I really do feel that way. But he's not healthy. He And he shows no signs that he can really stay healthy for a full length of a regular season in the NFL, unfortunately. And I think a lot of it has to do with the turk that he put on his legs. I really do. I think it's a Derrick Rose effect. You know, um, where you have these talented wide receivers or athletes in general, that the way how they treat their bodies trying to make a play ultimately cost their careers. And I think I'll definitely... Bridge those two gaps together But The Cardinals Losing AJ Green Losing A couple wide receivers There Christian Kirk To the Jaguars I think you have a hole I don't look at this team And say they better Than last year You know Just with D-Hop alone so I think you make a move for a veteran wide receiver in Julio Jones. I think you need a veteran there alongside D-Hop, even though D-Hop could be classified as a veteran, especially when you think about all the inexperience that this team brings to the table, especially in crucial playoff games, atmospheres, and things of that nature. They need that leadership. They need that veteran. They need a Larry Fitzgerald type. I think Julio Jones gets that to them, and you have Rondell Moore, young dude, and D-Hop. I think you got yourself a squad. So I like that fit for Julio Jones. Those are my two plug-in. You know, teams there Beckham to the Packers Julio to the Cardinals
0: Yeah, I I think when you look at these two guys, it's interesting because OBJ obviously had the the heartbreaking injury in the Super Bowl, and we don't even know when he's going to be back. And it's unfortunate because that really takes his value down. But I think at the same time, when you look at both these guys, right, they're not going to be costing teams a lot of money. We assume that they're going to want to go to teams that are somewhat good, that are somewhat going to be contenders realistically. So that limits the options a little bit. And uh, I, I think where it helps is they're gonna be teams interested just because of the press. like when you bring in either one of these guys you don't really know like you're not really going to be expecting much from them at this point in their careers but if you're gonna not be if you don't have to pay them that much money it, it's a risk that you're gonna be willing to take i like the, uh, the two teams you threw out there um a couple more in mind one were the patriots and i know they brought in Devonte parker which we'll see how that goes but When I just look at their group of talent at the skill position players, like, they will never hurt to bring in another guy with talent to help uh, out Mac Mac Jones and a young quarterback that's just going to keep trying to get better. So that would be another destination. The Ravens are obviously a destination that I think need a receiver. You saw the Buccaneers rumors trending a little bit with Julio Jones, obviously having experience playing in the nfc south and um he's just a guy that would he would fit well there like that like that would that's he kind of fits the prototype of uh, the kind of play that the buccaneers have been bringing in over the past couple of years so um you know like when i look at both these guys like not really news that i'm gonna be you know on the edge of my chair waiting to see it. When, when they find a fit we'll see how it turns out but you know
1: i i think they're gonna be teams
0: interested just because of,
1: of the price really I like the Patriots fit for Odell a lot. You know, I could go either way on that with the Packers and the Patriots. The Patriots was not too far behind for me because I think when you look at the AFC East, on paper right now, I got the Bills and I got the Dolphins ahead of the Patriots, bro. And it's not even that close to me anymore. You know, maybe the Patriots are closer to number two than they are to number one, but they're not close to number one in my honest opinion, which will be whoever that is. You know, I'm not trying to give that away right now, but... I think you need as much firepower Right now in the AFC You know, looking outside of the AFC Just looking in the AFC You need as much firepower as possible I love the pickup of Devontae Parker I really do I think Devontae Parker was not utilized properly On the Dolphins And they really underutilized him And undervalued him I think he's a very good wide receiver I think for his style with the Patriots I love it I I could not say anybody better davante parker for what they do over in new england i like it now you add an dev beckham jr there to put the icing up the cake to give mac jones weaponry so he can be able to up his play in the second year which we all know sometimes we get that second year quarterback that take the next step and become a prominent quarterback in this league maybe that could be mac jones we'll have to see so i like those um teams that you brought up to the equation
0: yeah, I'll throw two more. One is the Bears. Obviously, they lost Allen Robinson, and they're another team I think is in a position to just do whatever they can to get their team better i know like the bears probably aren't going to be contending this year like anything could happen in the nfc but the expectations with the first year coach aren't particularly high but i think that that's a spot where a lot of reps could be available if, if you're willing to go there and I, the same thing could be said about the jets man like they're another team with a second year quarterback a team that is obviously very desperate for a wide receiver it's a big market so if you succeed there you could uh be very successful so I think those are like any team could use a wide receiver especially at a cheap price and it's really gonna come down
1: to where they want to go I throw the cowboys you traded away Amari Cooper you got rid of um Cedric Wilson who's that throwing the ball to CD Lamb I don't trust CD Lamb right now like I do believe CD Lamb is going to be a very very elite wide receiver in this league at some point in his career but right now I don't think he's capable of taking the reins as a number one right now. I think he would be a great top, literally a top two, number two. I don't see him as a number one right now, like at least at this point in his career, especially with them drops that he has sometimes, you know? So I think if you want Dak Prescott to feel safe, this is a trailer head. it's not a truck. You pull Dak Prescott up, he goes as far as your roster goes, and that's it. You need another weapon for Dak Prescott. So. That team will come in my my mind, too, as well. But ladies and gentlemen, we'll be back after this commercial break. Moving on to the NBA to close us out. Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Ladies and gentlemen, we are back here on In The Huddle to close it out with our NBA Playoff predictions It's about that time Okay, we have set everything up We have given you some great appetizers And now it's time for the full meal I am the real Lil, And I'm joined by Zach And it's time to attack Let's start off with our first topic On today's agenda Speaking here of the NBA Playoff Predictions Let's go with our first game You know, I want to start off with the game That I'm looking forward to the most and there's a lot of games that I'm looking forward to. I like the playoff slate here. I really think we got a good dish and things of that nature, but the one game I'm just interested in seeing the most is the Sunday game, 3 o'clock, the Nets and the Celtics. Okay? Zach, I throw the live right up to you first to answer, who do you think ultimately is going to win this series and why?
0: Alright, I'm going to take the Celtics to win this series in six games. I really do uh, think they get it done. And What I saw from Brooklyn last night is what I honestly expected to see, a team that is just going to go as far as Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving take them, and there's no doubt those two guys are spectacular, and when they have their best games, Brooklyn is capable of beating anyone, but when I just look at, like, how Brooklyn performed when they were off the floor yesterday, combined with Steve Nash as a coach, like... I wasn't a huge fan of him just keeping Andre Drummond on the bench for the entire fourth quarter last night after he was really dominating the game for a good stretch of the first three quarters. Uh, I don't know what I'm going to get from Ben Simmons even if he's back like I think it's unreasonable to expect him to make any major impact when he has been playing basketball for a year and I don't know who on the Nets could, could stop Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown like Kevin Durant is probably the only guy you're going to put on Tatum and we know he's not going to be guarding him throughout the game I, I understand Robert Williams is probably not going to be able to give it a go. And ultimately, like, that's the one concern for the Celtics. If he was playing, I would feel very confident in their ability to win. But the Nets, like, they were just a team that they didn't really take the regular season seriously. Boston has the home court. They're going to really be on Kyrie throughout the series, as you expect. You know, they, they threw a water bottle at him last year. Like, hopefully nothing worse happens again this year. But, like, you wouldn't be shocked if it does. And, uh, what Boston, man, like, Marcus Smart, uh, their defense is really good. This is a team just full of tough guys that, you know, I've been impressed with what they've done after the mediocre start. They've been playing some really good basketball, getting the number two seed. I'm going to take Boston to win this series in six games.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is going to be a very interesting series. You know, I think when you look at the Nets, you can't rely on heavy isolation basketball And using the greatness of two players to propel you to a finals win. I I think it's merely impossible. But you can use the greatness of two players to give you a shot. And that's where ultimately they have is a shot to try to make a finals run. I don't think they will make it there, but they have a shot. And I think it's because of the greatness of Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. When I look at that game, the playing game against the Cleveland Cavaliers, and I know a lot was said about... You know, KD and Kyrie going off, and Bruce Brown. We can't forget about him going off, and they relied on those three players to win them the game. You're talking about a 59 um, combined points from KD and Kyrie Irving alone. But one of the stats that really impressed me, despite that, was the 23 assists among both of those guys, because they are known as heavy ISO players. So the fact that they were finding the looks you know, was very impressive to me. They were passing the ball really well in that game against the Cleveland Cavaliers. And that's some of the nuances that I looked at and was like, listen, I was impressed. Even though some of the stats I could look at and say, well, yeah, that's, you know, that's not good. I can look at a stat like that and feel a little bit more confident. Now also, Bruce Brown, when you talk about him, when you talk about those guys, Zach, when you talk about those guys that really like the game of basketball, because I don't know if I would throw James Harden in that category. You know, because sometimes he show up overweight when he don't get his way. If you like the game of basketball, you will play to the end. Okay, so I won't even put James Harden in that category. But I would put Bruce Brown in there. He's a guy that really is serious. You always see that commercial of him, you know, being fully vaccinated. And, you know, I do what the team wants me to do. I'm always on the court. He's that type of dude. You ask him to do something, he will do it. That's Bruce Brown right there. And I think when you look at the fact that when teams blitz KD and Kyrie, He's the guy that they look for to make that extra read, to make that extra play, to give that lob to Nicholas Claxton or Andre Drummond, to dish that rock out there in the corner for Seth Curry, or to call his own number. He has been answering the phone when dialed up, and I think they need to make sure that they continue to rock with him and not ghost him like they did in the playoffs when James Harden came around. Now, with that being said, I'm going to go with the Nets to win this game, uh, win this series in seven games. You know, um, I don't feel confident about it, I'm 50-50. I'm split down the middle. I, it depends on my mood for the day, who I'm going to go with. I think because I'm in a good mood, I'm going with the Nets to win in seven games. And ultimately, because I think I believe in the greatness of KD and Kyrie, I think the loss of Robert Williams for the Celtics is going to hurt because I think that's a matchup that they could have exploited. The Nets, are, they have a tendency to foul bigs and send them to the line. I think Robert Williams, what he does on both sides, offensively and defensively, is quick. You know, Twitch acceleration, his blocking, rim protecting. I think they're going to miss that. And I think if they are able to get him back at some point, pending they win this series, they're going to the finals. Like, I really feel that if they get Robert Williams back and they are fully healthy, but I think in this matchup, missing him against a Nets team with KD and Kyrie Irving, could pay dividends for the Nets and not the Celtics, and I think the Celtics is going to regret not making that classy business decision that the Bucks, their counterparts, made trying to avoid the Nets, knowing damn well they could beat the Nets. They beat them before, but they like listen. I can make my path easier. I will do so. I think they will regret it. I'm going with the Nets to win in seven. Um, let's move on to the next game that we have here. Let's go to the Jazz and the the Mavs. I'll start this one off When you talk about the Jazz and the Mavs The regular season meeting 2-2 They split Okay And I looked at the Jazz team And I saw them spiraling Out of control towards the end of the regular season Right And I said to myself Okay Two years in a row The Mavs sent home packing round one Guess the Clippers Coincidentally I said, this is the year that I believe the Mavs can get out of the first round. Because I do believe that they're a better team. I think the Mavs answered a lot of questions this year. Number one, can Jason Kidd lead a group of men? Is this time, is this stint going to work for Jason Kidd? We all know he had previous stints, but they didn't work. Is it going to work this time? I think that got answered. I think with Luka Doncic and Jason Kidd, that's a good match. I think another thing that we got answered was, is KP Okay, bull number two, Christos Posigas. Clearly not. He got dealt. So we got a lot of questions that were answered. And the only question that's left to ask is can this team be around better than they were the last two years? And I think we will ultimately find out if they are. But I think when you look at Luka Dantich's injury and the fact that they're kicking things off game one. Okay, Saturday, one o'clock, right off the gate, I don't think it does run this for Luka Dantich. I think if The Mavs want to give themselves a great opportunity to win this series. They need to shut them down for three games. They just have to. And try to hope that Spencer Didwitty and Jalen Brunson can give them that spark. Which, credit to these two guys. They've been stepping up. Jalen Brunson has been stepping up. Spencer Didwitty can get it and create his own offense. Okay? And he can play make from time to time as well. And he shows that he's not scared to take that final shot as well. And they also going to need Maxi Kleber to step up as well. So... These guys are going to have to step up. I will shut Luca down for three games and then try to get him healthy because, like I said, one thing about that calf injury, it sticks around. And that's why, ultimately, despite the Jazz not being on the same page and guys fighting and and, and um, the two fellas over here and um, Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert not being on the same page because of that, I'm gonna go with the Jazz to win this series in six games. I think when you take in consideration that they still have Bojan Bondanovic, who is an underrated scorer, when you still got Mike Conley, who is playoff experience, okay? When you still got Donovan Mitchell, who's a walking all-star bucket, okay? When you still got Rudy Gobert, who's still a good defender and a rim protector and a rim roller, you take all that consideration and you take what Luca means. Luca centric. Luca centric with a calf injury. I don't like that two mixture. It's not going to make Kool-Aid. It's going to make doodle. I'm going with the Jazz in six. Wow, so we're going to be uh, going head-to-head
0: on both of these first two series to start. I will be on Dallas, and of course, the Dodgers injury is ultimately what this is going to come down to. Uh, like, when he's not on the court, the Mavs could be in trouble, and it really limits their ceiling as a team, but... I'm, this is just more of an anti-jazz pick for me. Like I, I just have no interest in, in trusting this team to win a playoff series right now. And I know that With or without Doncic on paper, they have a a lot of really good players and talented players, but I've just kind of been down this road a little too many times with the Jazz. They've been trending downward. You know, they made the playoffs in in Mitchell's rookie year and have been getting back year after year after year and ultimately have just been coming up short. So they are very familiar with the playoffs, and I've just seen it too many times. And when it comes to Dallas, like, I think Doncic will end up giving it a go for every game. Whether he's going to be 100%, no, he probably won't be. But I still think that he's good enough to roll his team to a win in this series. I like the chemistry the team has with, you know, guys like Brunson and Dinwiddie. Even Davis Bertans could get hot on his best day. I think he could be an X-Factor in this series. And I just think Dallas is due, man. This team has to get out of the first round because when it comes to Donchich injuries aside like we both are in agreement this kid is a special player that needs a deep playoff run sooner rather than later and I think he's capable of doing that I'm going to take the Mavs to win this series in six as well so both of us have it going six on different sides once again
1: yes sir different sides of the coin let's see if we're on the same side here this is one of my second possibly favorite series here in the first round the number seven Timberwolves versus the number two seeded uh, Grizzlies. I love this series. I, I just, just like the fact that it's you got a bunch of young players, young young stars all over meshing it and trying to see who goes on to the next round. I love it. Zach, I answered the last game first. I'll send the Rock over to you. Yeah, just a couple
0: thoughts on the Timberwolves last night. I was so impressed with their effort and just their will to win against the Clippers. They faced a lot of adversity. Carl Anthony Towns picking up 4,000 in the first half. He only was limited to 11 points. He clearly did not have his best game. And the Timberwolves are out here in the fourth quarter down eight points with eight minutes left. And then Anthony Edwards and D'Angelo Russell are just out here making play after play after play. And I was really impressed with what I saw just in playing in front of that home crowd like I think this is going to be a really good series. Like, the Timberwolves are going to win some games in this series. They have guys like Edwards and Russell where when Towns has an off night, those two guys aren't afraid to just go out there and make things go. They don't care if they miss a couple shots. They are confident in their ability. And watching Anthony Edwards, like, I just loved his mindset of, like, yo, these guys cannot guard me. He was literally refusing ball screens and was like, put Paul George on me. I won. He's the best defender, and then that first step, boom! Like he was just getting to the rim with ease, and, and that was just so impressive to watch. D'Angelo Russell, I, I think this is a good fit for him. Where, like, when you compare it to his Laker days and his Nets days, and uh, even his brief uh, stint with the Warriors, like. Curry was out, so he was always the guy that was relied on at such a young age. And now he's 25, 26 years old only. You know, he's been in the league for so long. People are surprised by that. And uh, he's, a, he's a player I would always love to have on my team in the playoffs. You look at Memphis, man. Like, the season they've had, they're winning games without John Morant. And now he's going to be back on the floor, ready to go, one of the most exciting players in the league. I'm going to take the Grizzlies to win this series in six. But I can't wait just to watch this, man. I agree. I, of all the first-round series, this could be the best one just based on the amount of athleticism and the amount of young talent. Just guys like Dylan Brooks and Desmond Bain, you know, as a, a big college basketball guys. just watching these guys come up. When these guys were in college, you know, only as recent as three to four years ago, the emphasis was always on the one and done and the athletic players and the guys where you could look at their ceiling and it's like, okay, these guys are going to be just... If everything goes right, they're going to be great. But teams have kind of adjusted their philosophy, especially playing in this new three-point centric era where if you get guys who work hard, they're willing to defend, and they can shoot the ball, like, you're going to have a role in today's NBA. And I think as a league, like, having guys like Memphis and just the way both of these teams have really been built, like, I think both of them are doing it the right way uh, of just... Home, uh, developing their own homegrown talent and I think both these teams are very enjoyable it's a shame they're playing each other I'll take the Grizzlies to win, I'll go 6 as well because I think the Timberwolves are going to
1: get a couple home games, that crowd is electric but uh, Memphis is their contender man, they are it's going to be a great series We're on the same side of the corner on this one Zach, I'm going with the Grizzlies in 6, let me start off with the Timberwolves, right, because I didn't get to give a reaction to the playing game, I was really impressed Okay, they overcame a very undisciplined uh, tendencies they overcame because they had the tendencies to be very undisciplined. And it was to start off the game, especially in the first quarter, the second quarter, they were fouling a lot. Cat obviously got into big foul trouble. I think his coach is an idiot for keeping him on there in the court with four fouls, knowing that you need to shut down your player because you need him in the fourth. I think that right there is a little scary. Um, From a coaching standpoint, when you're in a tough series – But other than that, D'Lo and Ant just flat out took over this game, you know, with their athleticism and their abilities to make shots. You know, I was impressed with Ant from the three-point line as well, you know, just being able to be that floor spacer in that game in particular. And um, he's not scared to take the three-pointer anyway. But Malik Beasley, you got him coming off the bench and giving that spark from a shooting standpoint. He's a three-point shooter. He's like the Ray Allen for this team, you know, as far as just making threes. And I said to myself, man, Pat Beverly, that's another dude, one of the most underrated pickups because of just his experience, his grit, knowing player tendencies, knowing coaching assignments at times, opposing coaches' assignments and what they're going to do, and clearly against his former team, what the hell you think he was going to do? He was able to know some of these players' tendencies, and I think that was critical, especially in this game in particular, and what could be critical going down the line. But all in all, Cat has to play good. They cannot have another Cat Effort like they did last night. You're talking about three of 11 for shooting. Okay, 11 points in the game. Literally sat out almost the entire fourth quarter. Late in the fourth quarter, he was out. He fouled out with what? Eight, eight minutes left? Yeah, like eight minutes left, he found yeah. out. He needs to be there. He needs well, to make quicker decisions. Well, uh, uh, let me ask you this Did you
0: kind of come away from that game last night with the narrative of like, this is Anthony Edwards' team. Like, you know, Carl, Carl Anthony Towns could do, you know, whatever he wants, but I that's kind of how I felt. I kind of,
1: I mean, mm-hmm. this game saying, like, when the Wolves are at their best, it's going to be when Anthony with the ball in his hands. Yeah, I get it because there's an argument that could be made that they played better when he was off the court, but at the same time, I don't buy that. I think there's a value in just having that big that can post up, bro, honestly. You know, I think that's always valuable when you have a big. You know, I think even though we live in this three-point era, I don't think that alleviates bigs in what they can bring to a table, especially if they're being used properly and they're doing what they need to yeah. do. Rebounds, post-ups, easy buckets. Those are the things that they need, a team needs. And I think Cat has that. He just got to use it. So I think if he is more disciplined, you saw Ty Lu sending the blitz over to him. He did not react well at all. His backside was tighter than ever. You know what I'm saying? Not making the right reads. He needs to be able to do that in a series like this against a deep, lethal team like the Grizzlies, who've been playing great even without their leader in John Morant. Okay, you got shooters, you got Jaron Jackson. You're getting eat up by um, Zubak, who, you know, a lot of people sometimes don't give him his credit, but it's still Zubak compared to a guy like Jaron Jackson Jr., okay? Like, it's scary. Jaron Jackson Jr. could defend. You know what I'm saying? So, I like the Grizzlies in this series because even though these two teams are talented and athletic, I'll take the disciplined team out of the group. And that, to me, is the Grizzlies. Give me the Grizzlies in six. Let's move on to the next game that we have here on the agenda. The Raptors and the 76ers is going down. Okay, I think I'm going to start this one off. Look, this is a series that's going to be a very, very tricky one for me. Okay, I thought when the 76ers made the move for Harden, that they were still where they were. Okay, I wasn't like everybody else. Okay, I thought the Nets won the trade. I already saw enough of the catalog for James Holland to already know what I'm going to get come playoff time. So I already knew it. Okay, but I still like the fit amongst the lethal 2, which was um Embiid. And Harden, I still like this. Still great duo, top five duo in the league. No doubt about it, no questions. They are 16 and eight together. But there's a lot of ups and downs, okay? There's some ups and there's some downs. And, you know, ultimately, we hinted at it. I think Doc Rivers not being that Ty Lue, being able to make second and a half adjustments in games. All right, we already know the bubble and the Clippers and Kawhi and, and Paul George. we know that debacle. A lot of that was Doc Rivers, too. I think when you combine that With James Harden's playoff resume I don't know Something a little iffy And then we go to the Raptors And they got the ultimate home court advantage Not because of their fans Even though their fans is among the best in the world Listen, I can contest The Raptors got the best fans in basketball Alright, I went to a hotel at Cancun During the finals Bro, this is Cancun The Canadians dominated the um, room we called it that in the lobby, the where you got the snacks and you got the the snack bar or something like that. It was like the lounge. Okay, they dominated the lounge. They would not let me in. They said, "Yo, who are you voting for?" I had to lie and say the Raptors so I could watch the damn game. They was not allowing me. They stopped the whole joint. They got the best fans in the NBA, but they also have another advantage: the fact that they have this vaccination rule. And Matisse Thybul, they best defender the 76ers here. They best shot blocker, okay, is not going to be there. That's critical. And then you go to the to the roster and you look at Fred Van Fleet. That's another bucket right there. You look at a young, dude, a, a young bull and Scotty Barnes and what he able to do. Pascal Siakam and Fred Van Fleet been an average of 20. And then Gary Trent is another guy that can get hot. He's a, a three-point specialist. When he's hot, he can get hot. He can get his shot off. Okay, so you add that in consideration. You got another versatile defender, an OG and a no-beat. This is my story. That's another guy right there you got to look out for. They got gritty players over there. And they got what I call the coaching advantage, ultimately, with Nick Nurse, a guy that takes care, get it, Nurse, takes care of his lineups and know how to throw and and how to take away the opposing opposition's number one player because he does that so many times. So if they take away James Harden or Embiid, Other guys got to step up. Woo! Man, this is going to go down to seven games. This series right here. I'll be shocked if it's not seven. Or at least six. I'm going to go with the Raptors in seven games. And yes, we talked about James Harden a lot. He's under the most pressure. But at the end of the day, I don't think he can handle the pressure. I like this Raptors team full of grit and determination and defend. And they got the coaching advantage. Give me the Toronto Raptors using and utilizing their home court advantage to the T to beat the 76ers in seven games.
0: Yeah, well, we're on the same page for this one. I will be with you on the Raptors, man. And it's a lot of the same reasons. There are just so many circumstances with Philly going into this series that just make you look at it like, man, like there's a lot of pressure on them. And obviously the home court vaccination rules have to have to do with him and Matisse Thybul like it's one of the best defenders in the NBA the way I look at it, like he's very young. He still has a long way to go. But if I'm hit, if I'm a uh, Philly, I'm putting him on Van Vliet, I'm, I'm putting, uh, you know, him on any anyone Toronto has that's gonna be scoring the ball. And there are plenty of guys, Siakam as well, like on this Raptors team that, that have that championship experience. Even in the bubble, people forget that man. Like they, that epic seven game series they played with the Celtics in the bubble. Like they had no business being in that series, and they still dragged it to a seventh game. Uh, obviously Kawhi Leonard was gone at that point and Kyle Lowry was out here just making play after play after play but Van Vliet is that guy now man like he's a guy I trust with the ball in his hands Precious Achua is another name that I've always really liked going back to his days at Memphis the New York kid very athletic I think he can make a difference in this series Uh, Toronto has guys they can throw at Harden and I like Tyreek Maxey you know they got Paul Reed guys like that Uh, Tobias uh, who have playoff experience but like I don't know. There isn't really, besides Harden and Bede, a lot that scares me from the Philly perspective. I think Toronto has the death. They have the bodies. I'll take them
1: in six. Yeah, I mean, the last thing i say is that that Matisse-Tybo thing, you're talking about missing game three, game four, and game six. Okay? And another thing, too, before I leave that um, Tybo situation, I don't understand the one dose. Like, I can understand you for the vaccine or you're not. You know what I'm saying? I don't judge. But one dose, bro, you might as well take the two. I don't understand that one. That one, I can't really understand for the life of me. Maybe he had some bad, serious side effects to the first one, and that's possible. I don't know his story, so maybe that is. But, um, Claire, it's gonna be a loss. And I think it's gonna pay dividends in this series. Anyway, let's... Like,
0: him and Rivers, man, like, I
1: I just don't try. I'm with you. I don't trust Doc Rivers in a playoff series. I'm telling like. you, bro. I got an eerie feeling about this 76ers team, bro. It's just like a... I'm just cringing right now because I, I feel it. Like, I can smell it. Like, it's going to be a very bad now, situation. Wait, actually, one quick question.
0: If, if you're Toronto, like...
1: In your opinion, do
0: they have to win at least one of the first two games in Philly? Because when you're on the road, like, I I think that's the thing. If Toronto's going to win this series, like, they're obviously going to be feeling great about themselves. If they can go back home in game three with the series tied. But off the top of your
1: head, like, can Toronto win a game either one or two in Philly and really put themselves in a good position going into game three at home? Absolutely. I think they can. And I think it's because defense travels. You know, defense travels and that's just what it is and when you look at what the Hawks was able to do last year taking game one away from the 76ers they set the precedent they set the tempo I, that game one was critical because they almost dropped it and they almost lost it had they lost it they would have lost the series so I think you set that tempo you go there you punch them in the mouth let them know you exist let them know you're here and then you come back home split either way whether it's game one or game two you come back to Toronto with a split you ain't good positioning Anyway, let's move on to the next game that we have here. Okay, the close out Saturday night. Even though we're not going on order on the day. Um, the Nuggets and the Warriors. Zach, I do believe I said the first one. Um, and the last one, so go ahead, Zach. Nothing yeah. The Warriors. Similar to the the
0: Dodge situation with the Mavs, like I think this could come down to it. Steph Curry's status. uh, He's questionable right now for game one, and uh, I think ultimately that could have a lot to do with how this series goes. The Warriors are a team right now, dude, like, I'm not gonna lie, I I don't really have a great feel on them right now in terms of how I feel about them long term and their uh, ability to make a deep run in the playoffs. I'm kind of just waiting to see how it goes, Uh, but one thing I know about Denver is this. It's unfortunate they're banged up, like, Jamal Murray and Michael Porter are two impact players that like when they're healthy I think Denver could beat anyone and having the MVP probably on your side is a great start. Uh, Denver has guys like Monty Morris and Austin Rivers uh, in their rotation that are just play hard and step up and Denver's also a very well coached team and uh, I think that's where the series could get interesting but I think at the end of the day like I'll just put my faith in the Warriors. Klay Thompson, back for his first playoffs in a couple years. Uh, Jordan Poole, you love the way he's been playing. I think he could uh, really be coming on as as an X-factor for the Warriors in these playoffs. And as much as I love Jokic and Denver and how well they're coached, like, man, like, Jamal Murray got... He played zero games this year, and they still were able to avoid the play. And, like, that is just a great team year. That's great coaching. That's great effort. That's a team that took the regular season seriously. I just think the Warriors have too many horses, though, plus home court advantage. I, I think they wrap this one up rather easily. I'll take Golden State five.
1: That's yeah, another series that I'm looking at, and, um, you know, I'm saying to myself, this is a series. You know, when you look at the Warriors, they haven't really got healthy together at all this year. You know, I think if the Warriors are together, Clay, Steph, Dre, you got your your core pieces, Iguodala. You got your young bulls and Poole, and um, a lot of couple guys. You got you even got um, my dude um, Moses, hey. Moses yeah. Mooney. You yeah, got a couple dude, Gary Payton. You know, we got all them guys over there. Once you have those guys, they are a team that could be a finals team. Like it will not shock me if they make it, but we haven't seen them healthy this year because they've been in and out of the lineup. When Steph Curry was out here cooking, Trey was hurt, and then Steph comes back, Klay is hurt, and Klay Thompson comes back. And it took a minute for Klay Thompson to get in the rhythm. Okay, but I think when you look at his season finale, dropping 41 points, I think it's safe to say that he's back. And he's going to have to be back, especially if Curry is not good to go. But I think eventually they have Curry in the series. Um, I think they're a the more deeper team. I like the Warriors to win this series in six games. The reason why I'm going to get the Nuggets too is because of that big fella, Jokic. And I think if he wants, he can dominate the series by himself because they don't have nobody to throw at Jokic. Who they throwing at Jokic? Kevin Looney? right? Yeah. I know he's six foot nine, but come on. Jokic is going to eat that matchup every day. I think from the Warriors' perspective, right, what's the move? Just let him get his and just yeah. if someone else beats you, then
0: Denver will deserve to win because that's how you
1: are. And yeah. ultimately, I think Jokic ain't going to be able to win that series by himself. He's going to take a couple games just by doing that. You know what I'm saying? I think he can, but not more than six, and that's why I got the Warriors. I trust the championship pedigree, them being here before on this stage, and I think if they get healthy, they can make it run. I like the Warriors in game six. Let's move on to the next one that we got here on the agenda. All right, let's talk the Bulls and the Bucks. That's another game. I- I'm going to be short on this one, and that's because I got short results. I think it's going to be a short series. I like the Bucs in four. I like the clean sweep, bring out the brooms. Is a mess on the floor. Let's clean it up. I like the Bucs in four. I never believed in this Bulls team at all. I think when they went on that run, injuries definitely did play a factor, so I'm not going to deny that. But missing a guy like Lonzo Ball, a guy that could defend – a guy that could be a playmaker, a guy that's been improving shooting the three ball. I think it's gonna be critical for this team. You know, um, DeMar DeRozan is a very good player. You know, even in the playoffs, he's been a good player. It's just LeBron James been his nemesis. So we gotta watch out for that DeMar DeRozan. You know, anytime you got two elite shot makers in, in Levine and DeMar DeRozan, you probably should steal a game. So maybe I'm not being generous to this Bulls team and maybe I may give them a game, right? I, I probably might, I'm, I'm, I'm in between. I wanna give them a game. But I think right now, the Bucs right now is just definitively one of the teams to beat in the Eastern Conference. They have that championship pedigree before. They glowed up. This was a team that before, they could not get over that hump. It's, they're not that same team no more. They won a championship. They have glowed up. Their price is up. And I think they just dominate this matchup. I don't like the matchup at all. I think they're dominated. They're too big. They're too physical. They have too much depth. I like the Bucks to win this game easily. Give me the Bucks in four. Sweet. I'm sticking with the sweep. Yeah, dude, we're
0: going to be on the same page for this one. I'm with you. Give me the sweep. Bucks and four. And uh, with the Bulls, man, I-, I think they've had a good season. You know, we forget. This is a team that hasn't been to the playoffs since 2017. And I give them credit for, like, I like the way this roster is assembled and they're-, they're well-coached with Billy Donovan. And I think the future is bright. Lonzo still has a lot of good basketball left. The Rosen, that was looking like the best free agent signing of the offseason. Uh, you know, they- Zach Levine had a good year. They had some dudes on this team. But the Bucks are the defending NBA champs for a reason, and the Bulls are super banged up. You know, it looks like they're going to be giving on um, my guy, Io Dasunu, the rookie from Illinois, some legit minutes at point guard. And as much as I love Io, like, that 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 could be a scary sight of uh, relying on him as a rookie in big time uh, playoff basketball. And the Bucks, they've been here before, man. You know, they kind of gave me the vibe throughout the regular season of. A, a prototypical team that wins an NBA championship, you know? They didn't. They played a lot of basketball in a short amount of time. You know, they coasted a little bit, lost a few games they weren't necessarily supposed to, but they are here in the playoffs in good form as the number three seed in the East. And uh, just watching Giannis play, man, like, the more and more I watch him, especially late in close games, like, you can see the improvement. You can yeah. see how hungry he is to take those big shots like late in big games. And I think uh, for Milwaukee, going into these playoffs, like, that's going to be a huge factor. That there, as Giannis has always been great, but in the playoffs and late in games, you didn't always feel confident with him uh, in the ball uh, trying to make a play. And uh, over the past year, year and change,
1: he's really uh, proven to, to be able to, to do that. And I think when you combine that, because that is a fair assessment, I think Giannis now has a confidence to take over a game, whether it be on the defensive end, making a block, you know, blocking the opposing player trying to tie the game. You know what I'm saying? Reminiscing of Joel Embiid in that shootout that they had when Giannis made that block, or whether a highlight, a dunk. You know what I'm saying? He had those in the finals, and I think that gave him that confidence through this year. And I think, listen, I'm not worried about this team. And also, when you factor in a guy like Chris Milton, who is a best player in the half court because he's able to create his own shot with the team? I think pick and roll with um, Chris Middleton. I think this team is good, and that you know you just gotta worry about which, what Chris Middleton you gonna get. It's gonna be that 4 quarter juggernaut, Chris Middleton that can get his own offense, make his shot, and be a sniper, or it's gonna be the one that not show up at times. But in this series, I don't think it matter. I like the Bucks to win this series in a clean sweep. Now let's move on to the Suns. Because, clear, they got a opponent, and we it's yet to be determined. But who do you think they play, and who ultimately you think is going to win that series?
0: And I do think it's going to be the Clippers. New Orleans is interesting. I'm a big fan of Herb Jones and the defensive intensity he provides, having two good scorers uh, over there as well with Ingram and CJ. But uh, the Clippers, like, yeah... They they blew that eight point lead, but I, for me like that was just more of the Timberwolves going off and just being very impressive in front of their home court. Um, I'm with you on Tyloo like. It took me a little bit of time to see it, but I am fully convinced now like, he's one of the five best coaches in the league, especially when it comes to playoff adjustments. Like That's a guy I trust right there. And uh, I, it's really just like, the Clippers are fine. Like I like Paul George, the way he's been playing. Like I know he gets a lot of hate for his past playoff performances, but he was good, man, making shots. Uh, Marcus Morris is another guy that I, I always like to have on my team in, in big moments. And uh, I just think the Clippers are a little bit more mature and more consistent than uh, either of the two teams they would be playing. Uh, with that being said, I can't see any of these teams beating the Suns. Um, you know, I, I think the Suns, uh, if it's the Clippers, I'll give the Clippers a game at home. You know, their home court advantage isn't even great. Uh, I'll take the Suns in five over the Clippers. And uh, you know, if, they, if, if it goes more than that, then uh, you know maybe uh, Phoenix fans start sweating a little bit, but I feel fairly confident they're much better than any of these teams.
1: Yeah, I like the Suns in five against the Clippers. And ultimately, you know why I picked the Clippers, because I don't got to say no more than that. I like the Suns to beat the Clippers in five games. I think that when you consider the fact that the Clippers, I got to start with the credit, man. I think they've been playing well, even though they lost that game, that playing game to the Timberwolves. I think they still are deep, even without Kawhi. Like, of course, with Kawhi not there, you're limited, but you still they still deep. You got... Robert to off the bench, giving them scoring and playing defense. You also got Nolan Powell coming off the bench, giving them scoring. Poor George. He answers a call sometimes. Sometimes he don't. Anywhere on him
0: canard status or no. I've, I haven't seen anything.
1: But he would be another That's yeah. another guy. He's a shooter. That's another dude that you would have to watch out for. So I think when you combine that with Ty Lu, I got to give them a game. I, I, I'd be shocked that they get swept. You know, I kind of want to be a little bit more generous to give them two games because of Ty Lue and this team in the fight they always been a fighter. Even Reggie Jackson, you know, he's been shooting the three ball really well as well. So, I, you know what, Zach? I'm going to do it. Give me the Suns in six. I, just me talking, I talked myself into giving them another game because of their grit and determination. Even without Kawhi Leonard, it's going to be pivotal. I think with Kawhi Leonard, this team is a different team, Zach. This team is amongst the best in the West with Kawhi Leonard. You know, when you talk about the depth. But I think, ultimately, they're going to miss Kawhi Leonard's services. I like the Suns in six games. I think they'll test them because they played them last year. Tyloo was good at adjustments and trying to take away your best player. I like the Suns in six. Um, Let's move on to the next game, which will be Miami. Okay. I'm going to go with Miami over the Hawks in, in a sweep. I'm going to go with a sweep. Even though I like Trey Young and I like this team, I think there's a young athletic team, John Collins. You know, the, the pick and roll with Collins and Clint Capella. You got two athletic dudes at the rim. And you have depth shooters on the perimeter. You got your Galen your your Bandanoviches, you got your Kevin Herders. They, they have the shooting power to stay in any game they play. But defensively, I'm not really fond of them like that. I look at Miami, they just got guys that can lock you down. They got dogs on their team. You got Jimmy Butler, which you're led by. You got Kyle Lowry, playoff experience. Guys that are not scared. All right, guys that you can run pick and roll with. half court offense. They just have it all. They have the depth. P.J. Tucker, glue guys. I like Miami to win this this series rather easily. Give me Miami at four over the Hawks.
0: Yeah, I'll take the Heat in five pretty much on the same page. Uh, I was, like, that bubble. the the heat team that went to the finals like honestly in my years of watching NBA basketball like that is one of the more enjoyable teams that I really fell in love with over the course of the playoffs and watching them uh, and Jimmy Butler and Bam and Eric Spolster just the way they played and Miami's a team when you look at them you're like damn like they're the number one seed in the East if they were playing Brooklyn like I feel like a lot of people would be very high on Brooklyn to possibly beat them. But I I love this Heat team and just the Heat culture. And uh, they're a threat to me to get to the finals. As the one seed, absolutely. I agree with you. Like, the Hawks are probably the team I'm going to end up picking to get there. Even the Cavs, like... It has in in the two years of the playing game, like I think only the Grizzlies are the team to win a play in matchup on the road. So we've seen like it hasn't been easy to win in this playing tournament on the road. So if it like that's the thing, if Atlanta could show me that they're tough enough and go into Cleveland and win uh in the next round of this playing series, then uh, maybe I'll feel a little more confident. Either way though, I'll be all over Miami in round one.
1: Okay, it's about that time to close out real quickly here. Finals predictions. Zach, who are the two teams you're only with and why? This is going to sound crazy, Lil, because I do think that when you look at the NBA and the finals right
0: now and the, the way it stands, like, it's very competitive. I could see, you know, five different teams from the East coming out. I could see maybe three or four from the West coming out. But I'm going to end up going, and this will change over the course of the playoffs, I'm sure, with just the chalk prediction. Both run seeds. In the finals, the Suns, and the Heat, and even though, like, technically that's the chalk, like, I feel like not at, like, when you will get like, okay, who are most people going to be picking to come out of the East? Like, I feel like it's going to be Milwaukee, I feel like it could be Brooklyn, or even Boston. Like, even though they're the number one seed, I don't feel like a lot of people are necessarily going to be picking Miami to be coming out of the East, and to be honest, that's why I'm on them. I feel like this team is at their best, really, when no one believes in them, and they have home court.
1: I'll take the Suns to beat the Heat in the NBA Finals right now as my early prediction. My early prediction here, or should I say midway prediction here because we did early's before, but midway prediction here right as the playoffs are kicking off. Whew, this is tough. I remember I asked the question to you and Zay right after the Finals was over last year. I said, which team, the Suns or the Bucks, are more likely to make the Finals again? And we had to pick. Either one of the group But honestly That was an invalid question Because I had both of them <laughs> Making it right back To where they were And where they left off Continuing the chapter in the story Of that rivalry That I'm gonna call them Listen When I look at the Suns bro They've been the most Dominant team in two years Okay, in the last two and a half years, when you consider the bubble, all right, and that momentum and the acquisition of CP3 and veterans like James Crowder and what he can do defensively in that veteran leadership and that veteran body, I think last year left a bad taste in their mouth. And it should because they should have won the finals last year. They choked. That was a choke job. And I think the fact that they went into the season and didn't allow that to tailor them and tailor their performances and they upped it up a notch. Is impressive and that shows me they for real and they are on a mission. Yeah, I like especially C2-3. with the calendar, like the way it was
0: altered. Like the, it's yeah. not like the the finals ended in like, you know, early June. They ended in mid July
1: and Devin Booker went to the Olympics and I agree, man. The, Literally right really, after yeah. right after the finals is over, he went to the Olympics and he got back and they he just been killing it. MVP um status right here. The conversation. So I think they overwhelmed deep. They added to the roster. I like their cool guys off the bench. I like JaVel McGee. I like Shamit. You know what I'm saying? I like this team. I like them to come out the rest. When I look at the Bucks, I just think Giannis just is on a different plateau from where I used to think he was. I always thought he was overrated at one point. Not that I never thought he was a good player. You know what I'm saying? Never take overrated as me saying that you're not a good player. I just thought that he had holes and games in his game that he needed to tweak. And he just said, Leo, you don't know what you're talking about because in the finals, I'm going to become a man. I'm going to become the best player in the NBA, which he is. You know what I'm saying? He is the best player in the NBA. I don't know if he's MVP this year, but uh, he's the best player in the NBA, you know, with his catalog since the finals. And he's just taking over games. Chris Milton is a capable number two guy. All right. He doesn't get the credit that he deserves. I think he's a capable number two. And I like their core. I like Bobby Portis. Gotta energize the crowd. Plays defense. Big aggressive dude. You know what I'm saying? You got all those guys over there. Pat Hunter shooting the ball. Shooting the rock. They have everything. They have the spacing. They have the, the rebounds. They have the talent. They have those. I like this rematch. But I'm ultimately going to go with the Suns to get their revenge and win in six games. All right, dude.
0: NBA playoffs, there's nothing better. It's Once again, I can't emphasize this enough. It's great to have the normal calendar back that first
1: Saturday of just four games right to start off. Nothing better. Nothing better, bro. I'm going to get to watching these games on right now. Zach, I hope you be good, man, and looking forward to the next episode.
0: In the huddle, Canyon Dig Sports Radio. We'll be back. Peace.